0: T.J. Miller? Yeah.
1: yeah, I, I saw him uh, in Dallas. You did? Yeah, he made fun of me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't
2: remember what he said, but I don't remember feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a Netflix comedy special um, getting heckled, or I was heckling, and then ended up getting uh, pretty em- royally embarrassed. And really? Yeah. It was uh, in Echo Park in Los Angeles, and I was laying on a beanbag in the front row, like basically blacked out. <laughs> and I don't even remember the name of the comedian. I just kind of blacked that out of my memory. So We have that in common, dude.
1: So you're not going to uh, tell us what episode it was or which show no, on Netflix? I
2: don't even know who it was.
1: I, was uh, I signed a waiver when I went in there. Well, AI will be able to like recognize you. We'll yeah, just like I'll find, find a picture. We'll feed it a picture of you and be like scan all video footage of, you know, obscure comedy
3: specials on Netflix.
1: Yep. Yeah. And it will be like, here he is. <laughs>
3: I went to uh Eliza Schwartz I don't even know her name Schwarzinger. Yeah. yeah yeah and it was a Netflix special and I was dating this uh Indian girl at the time so we were like an interracial couple and we were waiting in line and then somebody was like oh yeah these are good they put us in the front row <laughs> at <a laughs> table yeah and uh I think I'm on the t- I, I actually haven't watched it it was pretty funny i guess but
1: you know we had uh we had Indian food for dinner last night
3: Oh, nice, man. Dude,
1: I'm growing. Last summer, like, I was all about Chinese food. Now I'm learning Indian cuisine. Mm-hmm. I'm exploring the different cultures of the world. Bitcoin will do that to you. Oh, wow,
3: man. <laughs> You're growing in the bear market. That's impressive. Yeah, that's what they
1: say. You guys, have you guys been building? That's I think, what they say. <laughs> you know.
3: Bear markets for building. Bear markets are building conviction, that's for sure.
1: They're building hardened skin.
3: True. The second one is just another layer. Bears, the bear market. Uh, so are we recording? Yeah, we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're recording. Yeah, this is great A stuff. I
1: mean, uh, like, you know, like seventy six ep- views on the last one. We'll see if we. <laughs> hell yeah, top this dude. One. <laughs> yeah, so this is uh, this is episode thirty. Well, this is the thirtieth episode we're recording, but this is probably twenty eighth to be released. of value stack first anniversary of a recurring guest. Wow. Mr. Sam Callahan.
3: I'm honored, man. And honestly, you're building. You're building the bear market. The I, that's value it. stack.
1: I, I was leading
3: into that exactly directly. Oh, there you go. Hey. <laughs> Thank
1: you for helping. Me. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah, man. And you have too. You've had a um I think we were so we were just watching last year's twenty twenty one value stack. Was it episode twelve, I think, was that one. And uh, Sam said it was his first ever. Uh, podcast <laughs> yeah. so you built quite a quite a uh what do you call it direct not directory what do you what's the thing on imdb resume yeah resume
2: uh,
3: discography no i don't know no that's that's for an artist <laughs> how many
2: know. cds do you have dude <laughs> uh,
3: not, I'm, I'm thinking about having a greatest hits here soon but. <laughs> <laughs> the the mixtape. <laughs> one or two people buy it. who knows gotta stack those stats <laughs>
1: so when does the mixtape drop the Bitcoin.
2: It's true, you know. I should
3: eight. I should take my best clips of all of the podcasts and mash them together.
2: Now that's what I call Sam Callahan. Yeah.
3: Oh wow. that Exactly. <laughs> Volume one. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> <laughs> so we have more <laughs> volumes each year oh. like, until <laughs>
1: yeah. people stop buying them. <laughs> yeah. Which I think they still are. There's like it
3: must be on like a hundred by this point now. Yeah. Now one hundred. Oh yeah, dude. Now what is that? That's a business model right there. I don't know how they get away with that. To be honest with you, but. Wow. What do you
1: think is last longer? The now series or the block subsidy? <laughs> Hundred and thirty years to go. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the now. Maybe now? I yeah. mean the now. It is always now. <laughs>
2: so that's true. Brilliant. It's brilliant. That's true.
3: Brilliant. I would like to actually see C D like album sales. I bet now is up there. Each one.
1: I haven't seen them on like the uh like Spotify playlists and stuff. Like, you know, like you figured like they would adapt and like start building the playlists and like market them on these. It's but true. I see it's all like Spotify's their own playlist or like YouTube Music's its own mm. playlist aggregator. It doesn't like license out to these, you know, other brands. Yeah,
2: they're going to have to roll that. Now that's streaming. Now, now that's, that's streaming. streaming. That's One. what
1: Spotify is. <laughs>
2: that's
1: what <laughs> I
2: think that's what it is. The Spotify killer.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> You know, the stock market, Spotify hasn't done very well. <laughs> uh, neither is Bitcoin. I don't know if you guys, were, so we're supposed to do this. This is a year in review episode. I don't forget, I don't even know which camera to look at. Uh, and this year, I don't know. I think like maybe we start off with describing this year in one word.
0: Um, harrowing. Harrowing, okay. Carnage.
1: Carnage Terrifying yeah. <laughs> <laughs> comforting anybody Bueller Bueller comforting conviction encouraging um yeah, what uh I, any of y'all want to like riff on like why like I guess we'll start we'll go I guess we'll go through like each quarter a little bit, we'll spend like yeah, I don't know, I feel like q two was kind of a bit quieter. <laughs> Or no, maybe that was Q, I don't know, this is entire- <laughs> Q- Q2 was pretty noisy. The end of Q2. Yeah, well, yeah. But yeah. yeah, we'll spend a little bit on each quarter, we'll do some predictions at the end. Um, but yeah, I guess like either of you guys want to start with like, talk to me, talk to us about like what, you know, where that one word description come from, harrowing, or uh, what was the one you said?
3: Carnage. Carnage, yeah. yeah. These, these all sound terrible.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: you can tell the year to date returns for Bitcoin are not positive yeah um i started this year by reading the fourth turning um and i read that book and i thought hmm like how bad could it get where i would need to like recreate institutions and like be on the front line of that and i just thought it seemed kind of foreign and then now by the end of 2022 it's uh it's all making a little bit more sense
3: yeah absolutely man i think uh I mean the carnage, the carnage that we've seen. I think it revolves around a lot of things. I think it's like increased geopolitical risks and and tensions with the Russia invasion, and then all the aftermath of that energy crisis. Um, You got China still locked down, so things are just still kind of heightened geopolitical risks across the board. And then you had a Federal Reserve who that just um, flipped (laughs) from. Easy monetary policy, um, zero interest rate policy, quantitative easing to one of the fastest hiking cycles in history in its history, and now they're doing quantitative tightening. So that has caused all kinds of carnage because it's it's basically blown up um, all these Ponzi schemes in the broader cryptocurrency right. industry, and all these highly leveraged organizations. Um, It's also, as the interest rates rise, um, it's been a big, um, you know, headwind to to risk assets in general. Um, And so once that started happening in March, that's when shit really started to hit the fan. And, you know, Bitcoin's just one asset in the broader macro. It's a very small asset. Mm -hmm. And it got tossed around. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I think it's... We we should expect these things with Bitcoin. I think the volatility um, is inherent in that asset. Um, I think people maybe you know going into the end of 2021. I mean, the bull market was so stupid at the end there uh, with with the broader crypto industry and Mm -hmm. NFTs and the human (laughs) like the just emotions and the euphoria and the excess. And the just stupid shit you saw every single week, man. I mean, I, it was like not fun for me, honestly. The bear market, yeah. I actually enjoy it more. Yeah. That's when American um, HODL came back. Like, you know, you knew we were in the yeah, official man.
1: bear market once American HODL joined rejoined yeah. Twitter.
3: I found the bull market very noisy. It was uh, very annoying. Um, and so you saw the signs. Like, I went to Eat Denver. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go to Eat Denver. I went to the well, bars. We I were know, together. We, we together. were together, dude. Yeah, we
1: did. <laughs> we were at the bars. Shh, don't tell them. I wasn't going to say that.
3: Yeah, no, no. We were at the bars um, just around Eat Denver. See what was at. Yeah. I did not what? go to Eat Denver. But, no. like, we were there. And then just some of the conversations I had, it was just insane. Like, mm-hmm. I honestly, it was like that yeah. scene from The Big Short where All it's right. like, you know, sell everything into bubble. Was that the, was that
1: February
3: or that was Q one? That was around was February. Was, I remember it was, was Q
1: one. It was really cold.
3: I yeah, no, it was that, February so, because yeah. I tweeted something out and it got a lot of traction because I was I said, like, you know, this is this is just yield through a crossbridge, other yield. You are the yield. It's a huge <laughs> house of cards and mm-hmm. it's bullshit. And, you know, little did I know that was three months after the top. Like right. I didn't really yeah. know that at the time. It's just those signs were there. And um, you know, did i know that it was going to be as bad as it as it's what happened as it, no because <laughs> because uh you know that was before the fed started raising rates too so uh, a month later fed raised rates and all these yield all this like bullshit yield just just fell apart and and it was a house of cards so i think it's a good thing i think bear markets are awesome in a lot of ways yeah. um especially if you have a long uh, time horizon like you should want these things to get cleared out. You should want um, fraudulent operations right. to be exposed. Um, it's creative destruction. it's 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 good for the long-term health of the industry. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's not painful as you're going through it. I don't want to minimize yeah. it. Yeah, we weren't gonna we yeah. weren't gonna
1: achieve world currency reserve status slinging JPEGs like that. Yeah, oh, man. With with, the there's rocks. a lot of froth. There still is. I mean, shoot. I mean, Trump just launched his like NFT thing this week. This Actually, was, those are pretty sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the three-headed one with one with laser eyes? That's like really jacked, like an ogre. No way, Did Trump you? with laser eyes. Yeah, yeah. a three-headed <laughs> Cerebus Trump. It's like, How much
3: is that going for?
1: I mean, I think, 30, 30 I think they were selling. They were selling them for Matic, which uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I think so. Take my Bitcoin. Yeah. So we might still be. Uh, we might have further to fall.
3: <laughs> yeah, man. When you see shit like that, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you got to raise those rates, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at this shit Money's out. It's too cheap.
2: I, yeah. Yep. Well, I, I have a little antidote. Uh, so I started the the Taos Bitcoin Meetup. Yeah. How's that going? I, it. Uh, It's still going, which is pretty sweet. And uh, it started with like four or five Bitcoin maxis and then all these like crazy crypto people that were like, oh, I'm living off of airdrops and like I'm either going to be a billionaire or like living on the streets. Like this is the kind of shit I was hearing from people showing up to the meetup and uh it's just the four or five of us and <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> a few people who get it so yeah it's a great four or five people that's that's cool man yeah yeah
1: that's what tyler was saying like in the bear uh, tyler blockbane um when when like denver bitcoin and beer first started like it, there's you know come and go and come and go the, the crowds but it's getting better because it's like denver's like becoming a scene you yeah. know and like yeah. That's what it's like. It's really cool to be able to like have these in person podcasts. Like, you think about just how many people. I mean, you, you drove, drove up, but like, think about how many Bitcoin, I don't eat like the word influencer, but just like people who work in the industry who either have been on podcasts or write about Bitcoin, talk about Bitcoin, or even travel through Denver because it's like such a, yeah. you know, big metro, you know, connecting hub airport wise. So, it's pretty amazing to like, be able to like be here and you know it's grown a lot and it's not falling anymore like the attendance like bitcoin and beer had like 30 people last week yeah in the
3: winter yeah man i I remember 2018 was similar um because i went there and and there was only like four or five people there and it was so much more signal during 2018 um And then, yeah, it's the same thing, where you get a lot of speculators, get a lot of people trying to get rich quick, and it's hard to, like, explain to them how this isn't a get rich quick scheme. It's a, you know, get wealthy slowly. um, Don't get poor slowly. Don't get poor slowly. Yeah, I mean, look, none of
1: us got poor slowly. It was very quick. (laughs) (laughs) as quick this year, bro. Yeah, <laughs> on paper. <laughs> that's right. One Bitcoin is one. I'll quote last year's episode. One Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. That's my prediction. It's still true, <laughs> dude. It's still, still true. true, man. Yeah. 100 million sats,
3: one Bitcoin. But I did like what Bo said. Um, there's a certain like fin- financial nihilism with uh, other cryptocurrencies and NFTs where it's like, yeah, I'll get rich or, or I'm going to be on the streets. I don't care. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's a function of, uh the fiat system yeah. of feeling left behind nothing. these young people and
2: by like people playing lottery. Right. Yeah it's priced out of mentality. priced out of housing,
3: priced out of stocks, don't know how to build wealth. So hey, we're already in our mom's basement. Why don't we YOLO into this JPEG? <laughs> who who cares? Um and so it it's kinda sad. Um and you try to just educate them and understand the difference between Bitcoin and crypto, which is what I think uh one of the best takeaways of twenty twenty two was I think Mm-hmm. Bitcoin has separated itself from crypto a little bit in, in terms of people understanding uh, some of the key differences between it, uh, it and other cryptocurrencies. So,
1: yeah, what,
3: uh, where
1: do you guys want to start? Like, should we just go like in the Q one? Like, uh, I think the first thing I remember about Q one was BlockFi's five's uh, announcement that you couldn't sign up. Like it was lead in block five, basically all in the same. I mean, it was January or February. They, they paid a fine. And, and they were like, you can't put n- new money in the account anymore. You can, you can still keep your current Bitcoin in their earning, earning yield, yeah. but you can't add any new deposits. So you have like a legacy account. And then they got the SEC thing.
2: That's like, I think the f- the first thing I remember, and it's just kind of tied to that is like, I think in like early January. Uh, Celsius's CIO was arrested in Tel Aviv or something. Mm-hmm. And um, I Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, just for yeah. full disclosure, I, I did have a loan through Celsius at 1% LOL. Oh, wow. Yeah. And got it uh, out, though. I I got it out in time. <laughs> wow. I remember <laughs> I remember <laughs> Good for dude. you, man. Uh Skinnier,
3: chin, chin chin. Uh fun. Yeah, I don't I I wasn't surprised at that at all because um if you follow the regulators and what they were offering as a product, it was very, very similar to a you know, savings account at a bank, except they didn't have license to be a bank.
1: Or insurance or, yeah, or any kind of controls in um, place. So they
3: were basically charged with being an unregistered security, all their interest-bearing accounts. And that's why they paid the huge fine. Um, and that really set them back. You know that I think um, that hurt BlockFi.
2: I think the SEC is one of the largest creditors in BlockFi's bankrupt thirty million. They yeah, are. They're, they're, yeah.
3: They're still they're still on there. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, so it wasn't really surprising to me. You know, recently you had Nexo, which is a similar platform. How are they still not bankrupt? Well, I don't you know, I don't know, but um they're leaving the United States. Oh. Uh because they're offering the exact same product at BlockFi. <laughs> Was offering that they got fined for, <laughs> and so they're like, "Hey, we're gonna get the hell out of the United States because we can't afford to pay a fine like we did, like BlockFi did." I think so. I mean, it's the same product. So, are uh, they going to be able to do that? And like, get, how do they gonna how do they get out of that? I, you know, I'm I'm not sure, but <laughs> all these crypto lenders that haven't imploded yet—I mean, to me, they were doing the exact same thing as Celsius, uh, BlockFi. They're right. basically, you know running these lending firms and then being a hedge fund on the back end. Yeah. YOLOing into risky, <laughs> and, and a risky lot, assets.
1: And, and Nexo's got their own uh,
3: token. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a huge red flag. Yeah. So did Celsius. Um, so so did Luna. And- I think I'm I'm not going to name specific names, you know, all these different, crypto lenders that are oh, so many of them, too. I mean, yeah, there's Nexo, there's crypto.com, there's KuCoin. I guess KuCoin. I did name names, but I don't I don't I don't know <laughs> which, <laughs> I don't know which one I I'll be honest, I don't know which one's going to implode, but I think you know, we, we could see more of that and perhaps there's already bodies in the water. We just we just don't know it yet.
2: I guess tokens don't make any sense to me having like a native token to a business if you're not uh if you're not a true security, um, I mean, it, like if, if you're not going to get paid dividends from those to- tokens at some point, then what's the point? I've never understood. It's, I mean, it's,
1: well, what's the point of growth equity? Same question. You know, there's no... But dip.
2: but you, you buy a growth equity because you think it's going to eventually pay you back.
1: That's and, why you buy, that's why these are unregistered securities, because people have the expectation of future returns in the in them, like built in, right? Because like, it's controlled by a few people with the expectation of profits based on their efforts.
2: Exactly, yeah, uh, to claim on the business.
3: Except they have no rights, right? You have no rights. Your rights, so they're They're you know, just unsecured
2: st- st- stood up to borrow <laughs> against. Yeah, man. Just I, making the business more vulnerable.
3: Well, this is the kind of thing that I think this bear market will do is, is is exposed. I
2: Was he farting a minute ago? <laughs> was that a fart? I, I thought <laughs> it was one of you guys. No, that was him, dude. <laughs> he he like, so like, that was a big
3: fart from that little guy, dude. I bet the mic picked that oh, up. Oh I did. Oh I heard it. I heard it for sure. <laughs>
1: we're not done yet, right? Like I mean, we were just still in Q1 here in this part of the episode, <laughs> but like, <laughs> I'm not sure that the, I think you said bot, bodies floating, like, you know, you just you don't have to, like, you just have to survive long enough for your enemies to wash, you know, float by the river or something like that. Yeah. I forget what, what saying that is from, like, Art of War or something. Yep. But I, I think we've got some floating left to do, and mm-hmm. I do think, like, Part what you're saying about Q1, I, th- I think the biggest thing this year has been historic interest rate policy. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's not that the Fed hasn't raised interest rates by several percentage points before, but they've never done it from zero, right? Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. I I think of it like, okay, like when you raise it from twenty, you know, 0.25 to 0.5, that's a huge, that's a hundred percent
2: increase in interest rates, right? Mm-hmm. But like, shout out Kathy Wood, yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> no, an anti shout out Kathy Wood. Oh, why? Uh, she went saying shit. She was talking about the percentage increase, and but going off a percentage of basically zero. Uh-huh. So she was talking about how this wasn't like, you know, not even on the same scale of anything in history. Oh, yeah, like it's infinity, this is definitely. yeah, like a thousand <laughs> times greater. But sh- that's bullshit. It well, was zero yeah. percent. Now it's four percent. Right, yeah. but. <laughs> was, yeah, yeah. It's I still, guess it's just four <laughs> percent.
1: But like, it's been a like a bigger magnitude for the market to adjust. Like, yeah, a, an it's adjustment from zero to four is a lot is going to be felt a lot harder than from four to eight. I think a
2: little bit more. I think. Uh, it, yeah,
1: it seems that way. Like based on the, you know, and what's amazing too is that like given the sort of a historic aggressiveness of the Fed policy, inflation hasn't really come down like that much. Like it's still 7% something month year over year, right? CPI, wasn't it? The yeah. reading was a couple about, days ago. Yeah. It's about flat. I mean, right that's here. CPI. Like it's really more than that, but
3: Yeah, I mean it's flat. So. Yeah. But yeah, I think the rate of the the interest rate hikes has been incredible. It's actually uh, you know, I that's one of the things that surprised me this year was how far they would get it. Um yeah. and things haven't you know that this honestly hasn't like broken there hasn't been
2: no it's um, a very resilient economy it's surprising
3: yeah it's been pretty resilient um in terms of treasury liquidity in terms of the stock market only down uh you know whatever is 25%. it just like a
1: white collar like higher net worth individuals that are feeling like people who have like investments and stuff like is that really where the economic slowdown is being felt is like not under. Your- like laborers, yeah. as so much as like your investment aspect of the economy.
2: I think it's hurting everyone a little bit, but I also think it's just getting started. There's such a lag with all Fuck. this. Just like getting started, dude.
3: I'm already down 90%. <laughs> 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 what?
2: The shitcoins are. But, um, yeah, well, uh, Netflix, marathons. DocuSign. <laughs> oh, that's it's true. Crazy. That's true. A lot I, of these big tech stocks are trading like shitcoins. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I was going to say. Meta. Like, it's been, it's been,
3: Meta. uh, I agree with, with Bo. I think we're in the early innings of an economic slowdown. And so you've only seen layoffs uh, isolated in the tech sector. Um, Some of these more long-duration sectors that are really a function of the interest rate hikes, but we haven't really seen any kind of earnings recession, um, and we haven't really seen it spread the layoffs spread out to other sectors. Uh, But you're starting to see it now. Like you saw Goldman Sachs uh, layoff 10%. Their workforce. I didn't didn't see that um, yesterday or two days ago. So you're starting to hit other sectors. Um, So, but it has been more resilient. Like it really has. I I didn't think they'd be able to get rates up to this level with the debt levels. Um, And and I think it just takes time. I think what what Bo was just saying with the monetary lag. We're we're feeling the interest rate hikes from like early summer right now, and they, right, (laughs) and they've been hiking seventy five (laughs) bips. and there's another 50, we're not gonna feel those until Q1, Q2 probably, of uh, 2023. And so, I think that's where I'm looking and, term, and and this would be the first time ever of a Fed hiking cycle that we didn't have you know, an ending with a rise in unemployment and an earnings recession, you know, declining profits.
1: Right, because why would they stop hiking until that happens? They're gonna keep, exactly. give themselves as much, le- as much headroom for the next crisis as possible, I would think, right? Because that's kind of where they got stuck in 2020 was that rates were only like, well, they had started raising in 19 and then boom, 20 came and they dropped it to zero again, right? right? And I think it was like 75 bips or something when 2020 before like pandemic happened and they just lowered it to zero overnight. Yeah got rid of the reserve requirement
2: yeah they just started a tiny hiking cycle didn't get anywhere right and, and that's
1: that's why i i was like they're that's why when 2020 happened i was like they're never yeah ever hiking rates ever again yeah. because they've tried and tried and
0: tried and it's mm-hmm. like they
2: can't they're hooked well we <laughs> yeah, have we listened to last year's episode just a minute ago and we were all harping on they, they couldn't put us anywhere towards a deflationary spiral by raising interest rates. I think we've all been caught off guard by how quick and yeah. deliberate yeah. they've been, and good on them. Because frankly, I, I have to say, like, I, I don't think any one of us would agree the Fed in their current form should even exist. So you know the mistakes go back hundred years, right. but you know really back to like Greenspan. I think lowering interest rates before the dot com bubble into the dot com bubble. Um, I would say that's when the mistakes really started, and then you had Bernanke, and it's just been like error after error. But if you just were set in Jerome Powell's position a year ago, I don't think he could be doing any better given the current circumstances. Now that he, he was also late to raise interest rates. So it's also on him, but I think I'm sort of impressed at, uh, how, how uh, serious they've been. They're they're not listening to the stock and bond market. They're just raising interest rates because they think that's what's going to save the dollar. And good on them for trying.
1: Well, the stock and bond markets are both screwed if the dollars, you know, the, the, the dollar world reserve currency status is what makes our capital markets so attractive to outside investors. So I think it's like a derivative in, in a way like if the, the stock and bond markets are not healthy and functioning if the dollar is not, you know, the monetary system itself that underlies it is not healthy and functioning.
2: Yeah, I think, but I think you kind of have to separate out like, the percentage of the world using the dollar, which is by definition that status is a world reserve currency from like the, the happiness of the American people. And I think those two things were like easy to manage together for a long time. And now they're like kind of no longer. It sort of seems like Jerome Powell's like he would be open to really crashing the stock and bond markets yeah, right now he would like because that. he really wants to make sure it's like he's, militarizing the dollar because there's he does seem to be doing that Russia's militarizing oil I
1: mean
3: it's somewhat working at least to this moment I think uh I think the Fed was too slow to respond to rising consumer price inflation they were still buying like mortgage backed securities when the housing market was <laughs> soaring right yeah um and then they were too late and their credibility had never been lower they mm-hmm. i mean their transitory inflation i mean it was ridiculous how you know now they say oh nobody could have seen that coming blah 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 and like people saw it coming like <laughs> mostly it was bitcoiners and a ton of people on twitter saying their policies as long as well as the fiscal policies right it wasn't just the fed it was stimmy checks combined with the fed policies but they were too slow to react and now they're doing it's just a a whiplash effect of being too slow and not being super aggressive i mean isn't this exactly why like we
1: can't have policymakers doing this stuff because there's this sort of lag that's just built into it that is going to cause policy error because they can't quite grasp the not able to measure the effects of it until it happens. Like I, maybe you told me this, somebody was like, you know, economics, they call it like a science, but like it's not a science because with but science, you can run tests and if it doesn't work in the test, you don't run the actual, like you run experiments before you like actually do the thing. And with like economics, like you can't run an economic experiment and like get results that are conclusive to, the, to anywhere near like what the actual results will be in, the, in, in practice or in, in, in play. So' it's like you know, the Fed doesn't they think that all of these things with the interest rate policy will like do something whatever their expectations are for the economy, but they don't know, yeah, because
2: they can't run any tests. Like, you, you almost can't even go back and, and look at what happened almost. Like you can look at the economic data today mm-hmm. and come up with four compelling narratives for what just occurred like throughout COVID. Like, that's a thing that I don't get. Like it was I, aliens. What? It was aliens, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah, the aliens do come out. <laughs> it turning into Alex
3: Jones' in. podcast. <laughs> they snuck that in.
1: <laughs> but no, I mean, I think, so are you saying, like, you can, like,
2: with the power of hindsight... It's such a it, complex system that, it, of course, it's not a science. It couldn't ever be.
1: Which is why, like, they shouldn't be doing it at all. Like, I mean, I guess the counterpoint to Steelman's would be, like, well, Bitcoin is rear... Rearward adjusting as well with the difficulty, like it doesn't forward adjust based on what the expectations of the economy or the block spice block rate will be. It looks in the rear, but the rear adjustment, the the blo- the difficulty adjustment that's based on rear uh, backward looking data, affects the forward looking difficulty. So in that light, it is the same where they're looking at economic data. You know, in this case, the Fed. That and making a policy based on past data which will influence the future. But it's different now because the economy is in different places, people have different preferences. Working from home is a thing now, right? Like so in, in in that way, like Bitcoin's difficulty adjustment is a bit more like pure, I think. Because
3: Well, of, it's definitely pure. It's it's it's, it's a math, math versus humans. <laughs> I need the shirt. <laughs>
2: Doing that. Pure mathematics.
3: I uh I just you know, you asked inflation doesn't seem to be coming down and and I think that in this CPI inflation or consumer price inflation is a function of a lot of things and there was actually real supply side constraints. You uh, wrote about
1: this in in
3: one of your articles. Yeah, I mean, like n- them raising the the price of you know interest rates is that going to fix the fact that there's actual supply constraints or dis- no. disruptions in the supply chains? It could hurt that. Um it could hurt that, right? And so yeah, we're not seeing, and they say that in their speeches too, right? They're like, we're not going to change, you know, the price of energy. You know, we can't control the price of food. And and so, <laughs> like, what are they doing exactly, right? Um, and so I don't think it's surprising that we haven't seen inflation come down just because they're raising interest rates. So their tools... Aren't really effective here, um, and but they only know one thing, and they, so they just think they're not raising fast enough. They're not the raising price of high money. enough, right? And okay. so, so that we're in this scenario where we have a Fed that that wants to jawbone and and be so strong now, um, when they're just their tools can't even address the problem because what what would address the problem would be you know reinvestment in long term projects. Right. that improved nuclear
2: mu- pipelines. Yeah.
3: Improved energy with supply. With such a high discount rate on the, on the money. Exactly. So that's why it yeah. would actually make it worse. Um, and damned so if you do damned if you don't. Yeah, exactly. So that's, I think that's why we haven't seen it come down. Um, I think we might not, it, it'll stay sticky longer than they think. And, and I think, uh, um, you know, if you think about China reopening now and, how that'll add increased demand for, for crude oil. Mm-hmm. Like we can't see a situation where, where oil could actually spike in, in 2023 as China reopens and that could have uh, CPI inflation stay elevated despite the Fed raising interest rates really? as high as they want, you know? Mm-hmm. So like the, they can't control these supply side dynamics. Um, and so-
1: Is that a factor of global, like if, if we were less globally- ingrained like if, if if globalization declined would that be a increase effect or less increase
2: it's more complicated than that well i, I just like we're like dropping sanctions on venezuela just because like things have kind of soured with saudi arabia like it, it's just a game you know yeah swapping dictators <laughs> we're swapping dictators we're just doing whatever and trying to form a narrative that aren't going to anger the people and it's like globalization or no globalization. It's just like a game of risk.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: yeah. who's winning right now? China, Russia. I mean, I, I'm China's uh, taking it pretty hard right now. I'm,
3: I think China's in a really tough spot right now, yeah, yeah. I think that could be the place where we see like a credit event happen because you saw a ton of credit access excess there mm-hmm. in China. Yeah, and their real estate market has been rolling over. Well, there were all these
1: riots and stuff about the lockdowns recently too.
2: Yeah, that was interesting. That was, yeah.
1: I haven't seen anything like come out of the Chinese machine like that in a long time. Like that,
3: I was like, "Whoa!"
2: That was fascinating.
1: Well, I, I
3: think it. the lockdown is not because of COVID. I think it's to stop civil unrest uh from occurring. Exactly. Um so but then why did
1: the civil unrest occur?
3: Because I think they found out that the rest of the world had moved on from COVID, I think. Oh, and they're like we're still locked yeah. down. And there was one I from what this is you can't really believe anything coming out of China. So this right. take all this with a grain of salt, but apparently there was a apartment complex that caught fire. Yep. And they were closed off, like oh. their doors were welded or some bullshit. And people died, and that was kind of the straw that broke the oh, camel's back. Oh, people were like, this is a civil rights issue yeah. now. And then and, like, I think fire the, trucks couldn't get yeah. close
2: enough to the building to yeah. put the fire out because exactly. of COVID restrictions. And
3: I think the World Cup, I think, I think the World Cup, actually, people, they tried to blur out the crowds in, in the Chinese really? streams of the World Cup to, so, people, so the Chinese population couldn't see that people weren't married, wearing masks <laughs> at the World Cup. Um, and, Proper you know, I Canada, think, I think geez, that maybe man. people figured it out and they were like wow our government's still locking us down for for no reason and then
2: and that led to all these you know protests and whatnot but earlier in the pandemic i kept asking myself like uh th- does china know more about this virus like because it right. almost obviously came from china so and they're uh they're pursuing these lockdowns to such an extent that it's like maybe they know something about this virus that we don't know, long-term effects or something. And that's what I was thinking earlier on. And then the more I've learned about China over the last couple of years, I think their idea of a functioning society involves these types of crackdowns. And, and the surveillance state has been in the work for decades. Yeah. And COVID was a perfect excuse to roll it out. And I think the region where that fire happened in the apartment building was the, Weiger, the Uyghur region, um, like southwest China. And that's where they had already kind of built a surveillance state. It was like already built out. And then during COVID, they took that technology and spread it across all the other major cities. And so it's like they've just capitalized on this and kind of rolled out their surveillance state. And, yeah. and, and I think they earnestly think that that's going to be the best for their society long term it's a totally different approach that we, us americans don't understand very well but um but i think well, that's more what's going on right now as far
1: from my like reading about chinese cooking and stuff i've also read about like just some, some culture and i know one thing that i've read and a couple of different things that like kind of seems like a common theme is that the, the, the like individualism how we feel in america like that it exists like a sin though yeah, but there's like yeah, and it, it, there is yeah it's like more there, it's more about like the we than me mm-hmm. and but we doesn't like I think people in America are like that, but that we is like my friends, my family, family. Mm-hmm. it's not my country, right mm-hmm. like yeah and I think that maybe it, but it also could have something to do with like the way of like Chinese like the Confucius uh religion. And like how, like so many, and like the Buddhist religion too. Like all, there's a couple different major religions in China, but they all are sort of this collectivism type of.
3: I think it's think, more political than.
1: But don't I, political th- ideologies like stem from worldviews of how? I mean, I think it's just it's internal
3: not, it's, collectivism versus individualism, and there's communism. But in like, China it wouldn't right work.
1: Now. It wouldn't work. But like, it works in China because like. Most of the time, they're not revolting in the streets because the idea of like individualism is not as important in their culture. Now, like, whether that's something that they've been brainwashed to think. Yeah, or or just like is handed down through tradition that I'm I'm ignorant about,
2: but like I also think things have gone so well for China over the last forty years. <laughs> it's really easy to feel we when everything's improving right. all the time, and now that things are finally not improving, right. maybe that we is a little bit harder. It's easy to, to
1: go with the flow when things are good, yeah. right? And yeah. Wait till shit hits the fan, and then see yeah. how how much they like the we.
2: Well, but then yeah,
3: but China, um, you know what you were saying, like this frail state. I mean, with the protests going on, basically you have this social credit system and these these COVID passports, and we saw what what the government will do with these you know health right. uh, cards or or digital IDs. Uh, when protesters start to protest against government policies, they suddenly cut them off and restrict them from accessing public transportation, going to going to stores. Um, which is why you know we, we have to push back against that kind of thing because you're seeing that kind of creep into the research of more of these international financial institutions, and um, in the UN and, and all the like. They're basically pushing these digital ID systems. Right. And that should be a blueprint and wake everybody up because, um, you know, what do you do in that situation when everything's digital? And they just turn turn it off with a click of a button and say, no, 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 you you you're, you're sick now. You can't <laughs> access the bus system to go congregate and protest. That's why uh, I authoritarian want, gu- policies. So
1: that's why I don't want like a a car that has like Wi Fi. I mean, you can't you basically can't get one without a computer without all computers in it now. But dude, I don't want my car to be able to be remotely disabled by it. no, like especially like transportation. Like that's like cause then
3: you're stuck freedom of
1: movement. Yeah. Right. Like so, that's like a big a big deal. That's a big
3: deal in China too. I actually I haven't read this full book yet, so I, I don't want to like talk about it too much. Um but I came across this book. It's called The Ant Hill. Um The Human Condition in Communist China or something. But it's really fucking interesting book because uh it's a it's like protected uh, by the United States government as a critical publication in history and the book is allowed to be distributed and it should be protected under law um and and why is because this french political scientist at the end of communist china in 1970s went to hong kong and there was millions of refugees literally swimming trying to swim to hong kong trying to escape communist china around that time uh for anyone who doesn't know out of all the genocides in human history, communist China is number one. Number two is Russia, uh, communism. Number three is the Holocaust, and so it was literally terrible there. And this French political scientist went there and did one-on-one interviews, first-hand accounts from over fifty people of all like peasants, um, people who who worked as like soldiers for communist China, and the the stories out of there. Are so powerful and draconian, and this is why like everyone should read that book because it's 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 impactful and and anybody who's trying to push any kind of collectivism or anything should read some freaking history because it's it's like I said I mean it's not even close either I think communist China in terms of when Mao was president or I don't empire I don't know what he was but um, it's almost triple the deaths that happened in the holocaust around the same time so um that's why it's like super important to push back against any of these kind of ideas because it just leads to mass starvation and yeah
1: um, 50s to the 70s
3: yeah it's it's an incredible book it was a political and military ideology Maoism yeah I don't know how we got into China like this but (laughs) (laughs) digging it (laughs) Global, we're talking about global globalism and
1: yeah, yeah. trade.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah,
2: and it's like the next big thing right now. I think it's pretty clear Taiwan is in the balance. And um,
1: well, you made that great prediction about
2: well, it's not
1: great, but you made an accurate <laughs> prediction that Russia was going to invade Ukraine last year. This year, do you think that we can Taiwan can? Continue to maintain its independence?
2: I, you know what I think is going to happen eventually? I'm not sure if it's going to be in 2023. I think China is going to take Taiwan, and America is going to let it happen. Going to let it happen. Not only, do I don't, not only do I not think we'd beat them in the South China Sea, but um, we did promise them Taiwan during the Cold War. Not a lot of people want to talk about that. We changed our mind. We changed their mind. We reneged Our yeah, you can have Taiwan. But we did. That was before TSMC, obviously. Um,
3: yeah, that's why I don't think that, I don't necessarily agree. I think, I think. Uh, but
2: I think TSMC is gonna probably be manufacturing in Japan and probably be manufacturing in, in uh, Arizona, and then they're gonna break into two companies, uh, kind of a west and east TSMC. Hmm.
3: That's possible. It would take time though. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's um, why we're building all the foundries
1: here now, right, I mean, it seems like the, kind of the writing's on the wall. Yeah. At least over the longer term.
3: I mean it may not be imminent.
1: But. I,
3: I think if uh if it happened sooner before all that stuff was built out, I think US military would flatten TSMC if China tried to take Taiwan over. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't we? Like that's that's just milit- uh, military game theory. Like we wouldn't let them take critical chip manufacture or over foundry over i know but
2: that's shooting herself in the foot pretty hard too
3: rather shoot both of us in the foot than allow them yeah. to get their hands on that and i also don't i think i still don't think um china's military comes close to the united states i think especially our navy
2: i think in that region it's debatable
3: well we got like aircraft carriers can we just float them over there
2: <sighs> we can get them there but <laughs> they, that's like we're their whole military has been built out they've yeah. invested everything in that area they're fighting on home I, I'm home out turf. of my depth death, yeah, well I'm also kind of, re, regurgi- <laughs> totally of regurgitating <laughs> <laughs> ideas from uh, Ray Dalio's principles for dealing with the changing world order okay gotcha which is the you book read I that? read most recently so yeah I read it it's like a thousand pages yeah um, I read it and it's um, really really good
1: <laughs>
3: like that motorcycle <laughs> dude it's pretty, some, it's pretty good <laughs> You, you, I think you he read it as well? I think he believes I think Ray Dalio he likes He believes China in China like believes way too much. He's
1: so bullish on China.
3: Yeah, and I think there's there's problems in China, I think. I talked about the the credit um excess and the fact that they could be going through a pretty deep recession here. Mm-hmm. Um they
2: depend on us for food. So They depend on a lot of other countries for a lot of things, but that's also their soft imperialism across Southeast Asia and throughout basically all of Asia, the Belt and and Silk Road initiative. Yeah. I I think that's going to be pretty successful. But I hate to be a China sim. Are uh, you a China simp? No, I'm no, a <laughs> China We've no. <laughs> been talking about
1: communism for thirty minutes, no. and this guy's no. A yeah, wolf no. Wolf I, mean, I don't, don't know this. I think if
2: they can get through this this rough patch, and you're right, Sam, they're for them. Uh, if they actually have a, an actual recession, holy shit, that's bad because they were growing at like ten percent per year. Right. Um. So it's going to be interesting to see how they get through the next five years, say. But um. I think they're already in a recession. Yeah, I mean, yeah, again, you can't trust the data. Yeah, there's,
3: no, I mean, they literally, like, didn't send their GDP data. Yeah. <laughs> and then when they you did... Any, I don't know, there's this amazing chart of the economic data that's come out of China over the last two years. Stucked. It's just... It's like this. Like, they've literally just become a more of a black box than they already were. Yeah. They're trying to so hide the fact that uh, you know that miracle is slowing down now it's interesting because i was listening to an interview with felix zuloff he said that there's about three trillion dollars worth of loans made from american banks J- japanese banks european banks to china so if a credit event happens in china um and their their real estate market rolls over even more then that could have contagion effects and actually re- result in a um, the Fed needed to you know, bail them out. Exactly, a, a, like a Fed pivot. Essentially, you'd have mm. a correlation to one event and bailing out the banks again um, because of China. Mm-hmm. So you don't know where these these credit events will happen, but China has taken on more debt than anybody mm-hmm. over the last ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, and and <laughs> they shut down their economy. I mean, they're still locked down. It's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's literally crazy. Um, so I think there's a lot of risk there. And I, I don't think China is as strong as people think, but I, I understand why, <laughs> why people is think that. As as I think I think America's strong. I think America's stronger yeah, than people think. I think. For sure.
2: There's like it's geographical strong. reasons for that. We, we have innate advantages, geographical resource. Mm-hmm, exactly, And so that's going to, and we're also, I think, the, the kind of the center of the freedom backlash that we're likely to see across the world.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it will. It will be based here. I mean, although I feel like America has softened a lot, like the population was kind of softened. We haven't it, had serious things to worry about, right? And, and it's like we were saying. It's like we were saying earlier. Like with China, it's like the we. We'll see how quick the we lasts when things get
3: really bad, exactly. right? So, have you guys? Uh, have you guys seen the documentary on Netflix? It's about a factory. In, yes, uh, <laughs> with China. Fuyo, Fuyo. Yeah, what? yeah. I mean that's that's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. You didn't cancel that place. It's called American Factory. It's called American Factory, and it really highlights the 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 difference in culture between Chinese individuals or people and factory workers like American factory workers. it's it's a fantastic. I think think it was nominated for an Oscar or something. Like it's it's incredible documentary. Newer one, a couple years old. Yeah, hey, check it out. It's 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 incredible and it's it really highlights the Perfect. differences in thinking um, juxtaposition yeah very stark very stark different
2: <laughs> yeah have sure. yeah, like the american executives go over to china and they celebrate and stuff and yeah no, like, why are all these kids dancing what for was us was it in like
3: india <laughs> indiana or something like that it was like ohio i think or ohio yeah, yeah dude it's just like these these ohio people who are just like what like there's like <laughs> they bring in these chinese workers and the workers are like Working twelve hours a day, weekends like uh, literally just like bringing the Chinese work at like culture. Like we do not take breaks. Like we know these <laughs> Ohio people are like, what the hell's going on here? I'm gonna go like clock out at five, and, you <laughs> right? Know. And go go chill. Yeah. yeah, and it's a it's a crazy documentary. I'd recommend it.
2: They're lying. American that, factory. American. Yeah, well, I mean, there's one of China's advantages. I you know a productive society work ethic. Work ethic, yeah. And they've been to, building I mean, to, infrastructure. I
3: mean, to who? The, the state or the individual? <laughs> to the, individual? State. To the <laughs> state. No, no, no. Definitely <laughs> not to the individual. Yeah, not the individual, man. Uh, <laughs> the, those people in that documentary see their family twice a year, maybe. Oof. Maybe. <laughs> who needs that? They work 363 <laughs> days a, a year and don't see their wife and kids. So,
2: yeah. All right. I'm done simping for China. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
3: We went off on a tangent there. I love it.
2: Quarter two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, there's a topic I'm looking at, staring at me. Mean, hey guys, Elizabeth Warren is hell bent on turning USA into China. <laughs> that yeah, was. Yeah, we'll save right. that. That's Q4. <laughs> that's cute. That was like a couple of days ago. The or that was yesterday, wasn't it? The uh, the bill that Warren put out. But we'll go into. Q two, you guys want to pop this uh, bottle because we got a steady lads here. Yeah, let's this do is, it. Why not? This is a groovy dry secco. it's a.
3: You, you done with alcohol again?
1: Yeah, it's yeah, been a while, but uh, it's a it's a non alcoholic wine.
3: What the fuck it, shoot it right. Yeah, then? just don't Wait. shoot in the camera. I mean, well, you where just, do I just shoot twist, it?
1: It. just don't sh- just open it. You don't have to like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't have to fire a projectile. <laughs> You can just open it.
2: Oh, that so, was a fun start. That's my favorite champagne. The, the lady was like,
1: oh, you're getting the non-alcoholics and this one. And I was like, yeah, it's for guests. <laughs> and she was, I was like, we're recording a year-end podcast today. And she asked <laughs> what the podcast name was. So I told her. Value nope, Stack it. Podcast. I said it was an investing podcast because I don't tell them people it's about Bitcoin anymore. Why don't you tell that? And then she said, oh, what stock should I buy? You know, Bitcoin's still And I up. said, oh, well, actually, it's a Bitcoin podcast." <laughs> and then I started to back my way out of that conversation <laughs> as quick as possible because I just can't orange pill people anymore, dude. And I can't do it. Oh, really? I, I want it. to. I want to deep down. But I got, I got just so much backlash last year when it was going up. And this year, I've gotten a lot of like, I, I, knew, I knew I shouldn't have listened to you now that it's down. And I'm just like, dude, there's no, there's there's no, I mean, the gain is that hopefully these people have sovereign money that I care about and like they do well because of that in the future. But short term is like not worth it, dude. I mean, like if somebody truly asks, like I'll tell them.
3: I ask, I mean, every time somebody asks me about it, my advice is always the same, which is think of it as a long-term investment. You know, yeah, that's what you can't is, afford and to lose. And so I don't feel bad at all for telling anybody about things because I've always held the same yeah. advice or gave the same advice. and
2: other cost average. Sam's advice. Yeah.
3: There's, I, there's mean, not, I, I uh,
1: but like people don't want to like long-term investment. Like they want to get rich quick.
3: Yeah. Well, fuck them. Right. Well,
1: that's what I'm saying. That's why I don't give them advice
3: anymore. No, I, literal, I, I, don't I, give I mean, it's, it's just, that's I don't why. feel bad telling them to buy Bitcoin at all. And I still very I even that it's down from the all-time high as much as it is like I still think back to like March 2020 and it's outperformed basically everything since mm-hmm. all this garbage happened and it's it's a symptom of short-term thinking um, it's actually done very well over two years so i don't (laughs) i don't know i guess what am i crazy or like
1: no If you bought in december of 2020 you're down
3: i I also think if you take i'm talking about march 2020 i'm talking about like two and a half years oh yeah i guess they're right it's almost three years wow that's crazy time's
1: flying this is 2022 (laughs) year end the year is over
3: i guess i i see that as a uh you know a line in the sand yeah. yeah, I see it as a line in the sand, March 2020. of It was, but it was. I don't know. We're, in, we're
1: we got to talk about March 2022 because this is okay, K2 yeah, we 22. can get this. <laughs> 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 no, um,
3: it doesn't matter. No, vote we'll, no, no, back now. But like, let's get into it.
2: What I'll say about orange billing people, if, uh, if you have a little bit more time and you can like talk with people, depends on who you're talking with. Cashier, probably no, but like your aunt, maybe. Um, she seemed
1: genuinely interested. She said she was going to listen to the episode. So I have, believed her.
2: I, I think Maybe that, you got a
1: new subscriber.
2: I think you can take time and explain Thank it you, to someone that like... You know, maybe this is a poor analogy, but like Amazon's dropped by 90% in its history, right? Like like 2000 to 2002. Amazon? Yeah, I guess. So, huh? Multiple and times. And if, if you talk to someone at the peak of the 2000 bubble and told them to buy Amazon... You'd feel like an idiot. Yeah. Uh, but if you talk to them in 2002 and then looking back in 2015 or genius. 2022, you, you know, you'd feel like a genius talking to them then. And that's now. So so,
1: so the, t- the takeaway is don't
2: tell people to buy things when they're at all time highs. To, to tell them the dollar cost average and be prudent and it. tell them what, yeah. they're, what they're buying and they have to understand what they're buying if they're so going to continue to do it. Here's where
1: always get in trouble because I agree with you, but. Also, the reason I'm bullish on Bitcoin is because I'm bearish on the dollar's long term integrity of purchasing power. So, why, if someone has cash in their savings account, would I tell them, oh, yeah, like, you know, DCA into Bitcoin and like slowly bleed out until you get it all into Bitcoin instead of like just stop the bleeding right now?
2: It's that's what, like where I have that trouble. It's exactly what Sam was saying on last year's episode. It's that emotional component. If mm-hmm. someone's DCAing into something that's going down, they can feel good about the fact they didn't put it all to work and. They are able to purchase more Sats with the same amount of dollars every month, right? Uh, but if it goes up and they're purchasing, well, they're going to be happy it's going up, right? So you, you manage it on both ends. If you're dollar cost averaging, if you're smash buying and it goes down, emotional, they could sell at the bottom. Yeah. If they smash buy at the bottom and it goes up, well, oh my gosh, you did a one in a thousand type of thing. But um, you know that, that that's not to right. be expected. There's going to be volatility and. I think dollar cost averaging is a great way to manage people's emotions. Yeah. Regardless of outcome.
1: It's true. I mean, like, you, it, you do take the longer perspective, and it winds up, you wind up buying less at the top and more at the bottom than you
2: probably otherwise would. It, and most people are probably fine with that. Yeah, that's true.
1: Cool. <laughs> well, we covered Q1, I guess. Uh, Q2, my favorite moment was steady, lads. <laughs> point <Applying> more capital. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that was I actually think that it may have been Do Doquan? Yeah, no, yeah, I know Do, it was Do I was gonna say like it it was a very uh it was like the last day of the quarter. It might have been like June 30th or hmm. Steady Lads. Let me look
2: it up. No, 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 that was Was that July? Early May. Was that May? Damn. Yeah. how long ago. Yep. Been two years since May.
1: Wow. Steady lads. May. Unbelievable. Deploying more capital.
2: <laughs> well,
1: that didn't work. No, it didn't. So, I guess for those who are watching in the future, uh, what kind of started the whole unraveling of this year? I mean, really, it was what we mentioned in the first quarter. BlockFi got caught offside playing the grayscale arbitrage along like in 20, what was it, 2020, 2021. And it just kind of got worse and worse. Digger and digger uh deeper and deeper hole that they dug. And then guess they got some loans. I don't know, a lot of people who it's like the Spider-Man thing that everybody's pointing at each other, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, but essentially like at a certain point, uh somebody figured out that anchor paying twenty percent APY on a stable coin. Risk Risk free. Risk free was not, in fact, risk free. And that Luna's ascension from, you know, a penny. So, I think it went to what was the high, like $200 or something. Like, it was just absurd. I don't remember exactly what the high was, but I, it I all think seems it like it was a fancy. transition
2: from free money to no longer free money, which we've already touched on, and the mentality of free money to no longer free money. Like, I, I think that that's really what actually started it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and they weren't even US. Like, they
1: were like Anchor and all. That was all big in uh, Hong Kong, uh, Singapore. I Singapore. I Singapore. Yeah. Singapore. And a lot of people had a lot of savings in there. So yeah, essentially there was this DeFi protocol called Anchor that was built on Terra, which was built on, uh, which had a stable coin and a non-stable coin called Luna and UST. And they were like, I don't know, some kind of financial alchemy. It blew up. Shocker. And uh, yeah, they caused like a massive bank run on anybody who basically had any motorcycle, dude. They're so loud. It had, um, it basically caused a bank run on like anybody who had any kind of business relationship with them, right? Well, um, Genesis, Celsius, Voyager, like, I don't even remember the chain of events. It
3: all happened so quickly. It seemed like it. Well, 3 O's capital had a huge exposure to Luna, or Luna. And then when Luna crashed, which was, I mean, we're talking about $50 billion that were wiped out in days. And it was a classic example of uh, a currency peg, uh, you know, fixed currency pegs. And those always fail throughout history, even when it's central banks trying to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I mean, they just don't make sense. There's a, there's a, uh, tr- there's a trilemma there where, where you, you're inflexible with how you control the peg. And, and so it, it came under attack from speculators once that peg broke and the peg was to the Luna. So it was just like a machine where you had UST, um, the the ink, or... Uh, it was a death spiral. Yeah, it was a death spiral, it was a death spiral. So it was Luna and Terra, and then once Terra broke the peg, it just caused more price pressure on Luna and vice versa. Right. And then they both tanked, and we're talking about $50 billion in days
2: wiped out in value. Okay do you think the theory that sam bankman freed was behind that do you think that's unfounded Jeez. or i i think that's irrelevant irrelevant because it was bound to blow up it was anyway. bound to blow up at so some really point, but if, wouldn't it be funny if he was involved in that and eventually led to his downfall well, maybe, I re- maybe i read that
1: like the whole pump in 2021 the double top pump was like all ftx manipulated that like you know how we got like the first run up in the f- like May, in May, April, and yeah. then like it crashed in the summer. Yep. And we went to that the sand- new all time high in November the sandwich shop, and we were like, "Bro, is this it? Like, did we? And then like it immediately came back, and like and we were like, oh, Yeah buy the dit, wins again." <laughs> yeah, that's this second year that second all time high pump. It was, was fake. Very, you think?
3: it's very short lived. I mean, the seems- whole thing was driven by leverage. In hindsight, right? I mean, all of it. But right. I think it comes back to the GBTC premium trade. But once that flipped. All these uh, entities, head funds, started to go into riskier assets like anchor, right, uh, to try to make up for that lost uh, premium trade. And then, and,
1: and that was something that happened in Q1 too. Um, Grayscale wasn't. Well, I think it was Q1. Grayscale applied for it to be a ETF, and they got rejected. Like Q2. Rejected. Seems Q2.
2: like they've been rejected a few times this year. Or the most recent yep. one, but I think it, maybe it was Q2 um,
1: that that happened, but they sued them. They sued the SEC this time. They were like, yo, this is BS, we're suing.
3: Right, they sued them. Grayscale. They sued them because the SEC approved. Yeah, June 30th, the last day of the second quarter. Yeah. They sued them because the SEC. Over the rejection of the app application. The rejection of their spot Bitcoin ETF or the conversion of GBTC to the spot Bitcoin ETF. Right, right. After they had approved a CME Futures ETF, uh, which is bullshit because the CME Futures ETF is supposed to track the underlying spot market. And the reason S- S- the SEC rejected the ETF was because they said there was too much fraud and manipulation in the spot market.
2: But Were they not wrong?
3: Yeah, um, yeah. They're not wrong, but why would you? why would you approve... A futures uh, ETF and not a spot, or not futures. Um, um, yeah, futures ETF. Yeah, if 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 it tracks the underlying, because it's actually uh, more prone to manipulation. That's because right. It's you look FT. at the the lead lag right. analysts of the spot market and the futures market. The futures market actually leads the spot market, mm-hmm. and so if anybody wanted to manipulate things, they would actually probably do it in the futures market. And so it makes no sense whatsoever that they approved a futures contract and rejected a spot bitcoin etf Mm -hmm. and that's why grayscale sued them Mm -hmm. um but they just actually responded the sec just responded to them and said basically a bunch of crap about how you know they're wrong and and we were right to reject it blah 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 because you're right they do have a lot of uh ammo now (laughs) that there was a lot (laughs) of manipulation going on but the fact that that futures um product Exists is bullshit, and they even approved a inverse
2: futures. Right. So it yeah. doesn't make any sense. Well, it sounds like because that's all regulated by the CFTC, the the whole futures market. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't really understand where I would go with that. But I, if if they knew an ounce of what was actually going on in the whole wider crypto space, then I think they were probably right to deny the spot Bitcoin ETF at the time. I thought they were totally. Wrong, right? But just watching, it's you're right. All built on leverage and just. it I mean, I think they were carnage.
3: completely wrong to not approve a spot on ETF because it Spicy. allowed the GPTC premium trade to happen, which all these players did with leverage uh, That's with a good terrible point. collateral. That's a so they caused player. it basically. And then once that closed and went to discount, those players took all the leverage and went into Anchor and Luna, and it could have made everything, it wouldn't have stopped the leverage because this was also a function of the easy money environment from the Fed, um, but it might have minimized the damage yeah. and it might have protected uh, GBTC shareholders who had to suffer now through a big discount um, just because it's a faulty p- investment product. So if they wanted to protect retail investors, like their mission statement says, um, they would have approved a spot Bitcoin ETF. and. You know, there's it's it's political at this point. Um, why they didn't do that, but you got to understand, like Terra Luna was playing that GBTC premium trade, and then once that closed, right. they took leverage from Celsius, Voyager, BlockFi, oh, Genesis to, to make up for it. To make up for it, and they threw it in Anchor and, and DeFi yielding protocols uh, to try to make up for it. Once Anchor and Terra Luna uh, crashed, wiped out Three Arrows Capital. It was only a, like weeks later that Voyager filed for bankruptcy. Celsius filed for bankruptcy. BlockFi got bailed out by FTX <laughs> temporarily. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, so like, I, that's why I say like a lot of this comes back to GBTC. Um, and if there was one person or entity that could have stopped that, it would have been the SEC approving a uh, spot Bitcoin ETF. So, thank you. Yeah,
1: that was a, that was a good. Uh, <laughs> that, that makes sense good take yeah i mean and, and i guess to add insult to injuries like and you see like gensler like in several photo ops with some spf like yeah,
0: throughout the I year mean, like if, yeah
2: when okay I mean, yeah let's talk about that what was going on there they because now they're charging them and shit like they had like they knew all this shit was going on and so what was gary gensler doing buddying up with SBF?
1: i think he probably was hanging out at those uh, polyamory parties, if I had to guess, but
2: <laughs> Gary you know. Gensler's kind of hot. know
1: <laughs> <laughs> in, in an old man, like I bet you he's got some wisdom type of way. I guess <laughs> you're right, man.
3: <laughs> I don't know,
1: man. Oh man, no, nah, I mean I don't know. I mean they're probably all like it's like Samson It's all po- it's all political. I mean, dude, even SBF came out and said that like his Republican donations weren't non-existent. They were just dark, you know. So it's like. So much rhetoric, and like it's not just like what you do, but like what it looks like you're doing, or like how uh, the appearance of your stance, not just your actual stance, you know, so
2: and SPF hated all playing that. both sides, right he basically came out and said, we were like pulling the whole like carbon neutral shit because we thought it well, would i mean would,
3: to, yeah there is the same the thing <laughs> playing did, the game well, I mean, it, there's one weird thing
2: you said
1: to me, it sounds like Gensler's doing the same thing because. On the one hand, we had Coinbase, which is like still under investigation for like all these unregistered securities that they're selling. And they also like went, you know, hand to hand with BlockFi and was like, that's a security. <laughs> and yet he's like, you know, FTX, like the biggest offender of them all as far as like, you know, following the rules. Um, so it's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I personally, and this is a personal belief, I think Gensler needs to step down.
3: I think you should get a, a ton of heat uh for because uh Representative Tom Emmer and uh, you know bipartisan group of politicians wrote a letter in March twenty twenty two asking the SEC to explain their oversight of the cryptocurrency industry and, and how it was extremely disorganized and ineffective. And uh he basically asked uh Congress to investigate that. And call them in front of Congress and to testify about their processes with the cryptocurrency uh, markets, and Gensler just ignored it, and nothing ever came from it. So it's obvious that you know he, he wasn't used to doing that. that. <laughs> so
1: you know, I, I like when I first started learning about Bitcoin on YouTube and all, like in 2017, like. His courses are on there, like MIT. Like he used to teach, like the Bitcoin it was course on like at iTunes MIT. University. Yeah, you watch like, his MIT courses. And it's like, dude, the guy isn't ignorant about Bitcoin. Like he knows.
3: It He's, was pretty funny when he came on as uh, we were as all as excited. excited. Yeah, everyone was like, "Yeah, like Gary Gensler." Because <laughs> he taught the Bitcoin course, I thought he was yeah. going to be good for Bitcoin. I think Gary Gensler is. Uh, Looking out for Gary Gensler. Yeah, it and seems
1: think, like it. Yeah, he he's not, he's not. The uh, Treasury Secretary one day. and he's not, he's not Chinese, so there's no collective we that he's thinking of. Yeah, well, and, and <laughs> oh,
2: speaking of hot politicians and Treasury Secretaries, can we talk about Janet Yellen? <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay, sorry. Oh,
3: my God. Wherever you were. No, I was going to say that there has been a mass dissent at the SEC under Gary Gensler. There's been more turnover, and really? apparently it's an awful place to work. Um, you don't Googling say. hours, like, uh, you know, people have been quitting left and right. And so uh, it sounds like they're both ineffective and then working under him is hell. So I think Gary Gensler deserves a lot of uh, blame for this, personally.
1: Nothing worse than an ineffective shitty boss. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. Usually you get one, but both? Yeah. yeah. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Gary Gensler. What else happened in Q, in Q2? So we had the blow up of Terra Luna. We had the Anchor. I guess that was all kind of connected. Celsius mm-hmm. said everything was fine.
3: A, assets were Oh yeah, Celsius. Be, uh, that was interesting. Celsius 15.
1: Voyager. Oh, Voyager had that unsecured loan.
3: Yeah, Voyager basically gave 3 hours of capital. They're just like, "Hey man, here's 700." <laughs> and that was a publicly traded dollars. company in, in yeah, Canada. So in stupid. Canada. Yeah. Um <sighs> Yeah, Celsius too, man. Uh Volved they were like coming one. at Swan and they were saying uh <laughs> you yeah, don't, like saying don't how, hold your keys that you hold lose your keys bitcoin. like uh, bitcoin Maxis will tell you to self custody your keys and you'll lose them all you should hold it with us and <sighs> you know that should be a red flag to every single person mm-hmm. when anybody says don't self custody keep it with us it's safer with us that's a huge red flag um so that it, happened and now you know i don't know <laughs> I actually don't know what's going on with Alex Machinsky. Is he like... Dude, I don't know. In, is he going to get like charged with something? Has that happened? I can't, I can't keep that, track of all these uh, scammers, apart, honestly. When
2: that thing fell apart, I thought he's like the worst criminal in the world. I couldn't even fathom that SPF... Uh, was yeah. doing oh, it was this even shit. worse? He yeah. makes Mashinsky look like a saint, like, yeah, yeah. And three capital,
3: don't forget about them. Dude, yeah. d- now, three capital is tweeting, like, like we should just forget about their fraud, right? Like uh, because there's a bigger fraud. Like, each fraud this
1: year has gotten more since more and more and more severe, yeah. It's,
3: yeah, it's ridiculous. It's just, yeah, that's why everyone's looking at Binance now. They're like, yo, right. it's like one of those like Russian dolls that are exactly, yes, exactly. Man. It's like, is there another one with CZ's face on it? To,
1: There is, and (laughs) then there's, like, Gary Gensler's at the top of all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Vitalik. Well, I mean. Oh, yeah, maybe Vitalik. Q2 had, like, a lot of build-up stuff, right? Like, I mean, it was. I I feel like, really, it was, like, the end of Q2. Yeah, just
2: to kind of, like, paint a picture. Like, if you look at how risk assets traded this year, there was a pretty big bottom in June. Right. And then a pretty big bottom in October. And those are kind of the big bottoms of the year.
1: So Q3 was, like, sort of a, a temporary recovery, if not relief, at, yeah. at, at least. Because it, it sort of hung out at
2: the 20s. And the 20s. Quarter quarter three, like, uh, started off well and ended poorly. Right. And quarter four started off well and it seems to be ending poorly. <laughs> it seems <to>
1: So be. <laughs> Q3, I remember, was, like, the, the the increasing, like, the rising, just the hash rate, just kept climbing. The mm-hmm. miners started. That's when the mining pressure really started. Yeah to become evident. so like q2 we had all of the actual like q1 call it like the the sort of the the warning signs q2 was the actual failure of several of these mm-hmm. big institutions and then q3 we sort of stepped back and we're like all right let's see what's where the dust settled and like what's left who's all right maybe this is maybe that was the capitulation event right okay then the miners start having big trouble Oh, okay, Core Scientific is now selling like all of their Bitcoin that they've been hodling and some of the other, you know, large miners too. Meanwhile, rate keeps climbing. Um, so I think like
3: Q3 sort of got to reprieve a bit,
1: right? Mm-hmm.
3: Well, cause the miners sold a lot of their Bitcoin in Q2. But it was, a cons- oh right, was that Q2? Yeah, it was Q2, that was Core, that's why, uh, you know, that I, think the pr- I think that actually marked the price bottom when all these miners started dumping their reserves. And then Q3 was when they didn't have the reserves. <laughs>
1: what happened over there?
3: <laughs> they didn't have the reserves anymore, so you started to see capitulation. You started to see a couple right. of bankruptcies. You started to see these miners really start to struggle, and you just see that in the public miners' stock prices. Oh, yeah. Because um, they were hit with like, the triple whammy, right? They had
1: increased High. hash
3: rate. Increasing electricity costs. Exactly. And dropping Bitcoin, Bitcoin price. price. And um, they're mm. still under it right now. Um, but Q3 was when that stuff really started to fan. And um, they they need the Bitcoin price to go up yesterday.
1: Yeah. Dude, but, um, it's not even like if you have more than 10 cents kilowatt hour, you're literally mining at a loss. With a brand new agent like a ASIC new gen ASIC, like a, not the newest news, like XPs, but like the S nineteen, like hundred tera hash. Yeah. You're literally mining at a loss with unless you have like
2: what do you six, seven cents or something. I, like I that. go to the brains calculator every once in a while yeah, and it just, just kinda of blows see. my mind. And I'm like, yeah.
1: I'm not gonna be a miner this month, I guess. Yeah, Q three. Maybe Q3, next
3: month. Q three was like the hash rate though was going up and mm-hmm. that just added, you know, pain. Right. So, what do you think was the hash rate increase? Why do you think that happened?
1: Um, well, I have a couple of theories. I think there's a good chance that Russia is mining Bitcoin and not telling anyone. Um, one of the things that did happen was uh, that I guess we didn't really talk about yet was the sanctions in against Russia that happened in Q1. Which affected a lot of the Bitcoin mining companies, like Compass and you know Bit River. I remember is that one Russian hosting. Oh yeah. So like I don't know where those ASICs go. So I don't know. Um, to the Russian government. Yeah, I think it's a good and they have zero. I mean, first of all, free they can, electricity. They can print money, so they can print their own currency. So like their cost of production is essentially zero. I mean. Yes, they have to use their finite resources, but they have more of them than you know most of the other countries on Earth, and it's extremely cheap. They have the infrastructure already, so good, good chance that like a lot of that hash rate got repurposed to Russia, who's like price agnostic, where they like they literally they're not in it to flip for a return; they're in it to have claim some stake in the future reserve currency that may take hold. So, if that's the case, they're never going to unplug price would go to five thousand a coin, two thousand a coin, hash rate keep climbing. They can stand the pain longer. They have the lower, you know, operating expenditures. So I think that that could be one one thing that um really increased in Q three.
2: What what do you think, Sam? Um,
3: I think that's possible. I think a more a less sexy answer is that um A lot of these miners just made a lot of investments in like uh, way back in the bull market. They started getting delivered finally. Yeah, exactly. Like it was just delayed (laughs) to set up the infrastructure and get the delivery of the machines. Marathon, yeah. Um, Yeah. So we're talking like a 12 to 15 month delay and um, they finally got them and it still made sense for them to plug them in. So there's that. It's just, I think that happened. I think the S19 came on. Uh, They finally got delivered. and then. I think that Ethereum moved to proof of stake. I think all these ETH miners uh, basically had all the infrastructure and mining facilities in place. Just not the ASICs. And the ASIC prices were really cheap. And so what do you do if you're an ETH miner? Suddenly you got to do something. You know how to mine. The obvious thing is to just buy cheap-ass Bitcoin miners and plug them back in. So you're actually seeing uh, these, these old ETH miners um, plug in Bitcoin ASICs. Uh, just like using the same electricity, wiring, the same, all. everything. Yeah. Rack, they basically an empty rack space and, right. and they Just had to something put something else. in there and so mm-hmm. they plugged that in. So I think both of those things were big factors into the increased hash rate in
2: Q3. Our, uh, our buddy JJ sent me a conspiracy theory that China is still mining a bunch of Bitcoin but like the government's involved.
3: They still have like 20% or something. Is he also
2: like, a China simp? <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I did do not mean to do it. Do it. Little, you have a group me? A telegram group? Like, I want to visit China. I don't want to get arrested. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm putting this out there.
1: SBF has a telegram called Wire Fraud. You've got one called China
2: Simp. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the theme, boys. <laughs> this guy, man. Now you stack 30. China simping. But I do. Yeah. I think I think Sam. the Russia thing's
3: possible. Like, sure. Um, but I do think you can actually see that yeah.
2: in the filings of public, yeah. filing. like public companies. Now that you say it, yeah. No, you probably. I and think you're right. Mining was just so in vogue six months a year ago. I mean, remember, like uh, that's when I was getting into mining. That's when Peter oh, Macomb's yeah, podcast dude. was mostly about mining. Now, and now it was at the worst time. Mining. So it's even worse time now.
3: I mean, mining. You got to know what you're doing, man. I mean, you, you really, really don't.
1: Do. You just have to be lucky.
3: <laughs> you think so?
1: I mean, I had. I think you had, gotta know what you're doing. I've had five different people in the mining industry on the show, mostly back to back. I think I've learned a lot about mining. I'm basically an expert now. <laughs> um, actually, that's a reference to Rob Warren's episode. He says, "There's no experts in Bitcoin mining, and if anybody says they're an expert, you should run." <laughs> so, really? Okay. So it's only been an industry for a few years. How could somebody be an expert at it? I, I, well,
3: I, I, I think, agree with that. I think there's like. You just got to understand the math that goes into you know like I can I can't just like plug in a miner and like maybe I'll make money I don't money. think
1: it's as much about like running calculations as it is like being creative I think where the real uh opportunity for bitcoin mining lies long term is in uh and from from the podcast I've I've learned uh is in sunk costs and using the waste heat waste energy Exactly as that like, sounds like you gotta know what you're doing. They're, <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, fair. Fair. <laughs> like because there is like if there is already a cost associated, then replacing that cost with a Bitcoin machine, as, mm-hmm. as long as the OpEx, you know, as long as it like a break even over time, the Capex is pretty much irrelevant because you're gonna need it anyway. So Yeah. it's um
2: uh... T- T- Troy Cross, uh his recent episode on what Bitcoin did. His couple episodes on what Bitcoin did, um, but I highly recommend those episodes, but he talks a lot about that, about how in the future he imagines you you have to have externalities that are giving you a profit based on the heat or based on um, other things that it can do. Right. Um, you need to already be having fan. He used carbon capture as an example. If you already have high-powered fans right. for carbon capture, then why not use those to cool ASICs at the same time? Um, So like little things like this where basically or, you know, co-located with a um, whimsical uh, uh, windmill farm, right? A a place where the wind either blows really hard or not at all. Mm. Like that's a great place because your electricity is free whenever the ASICs are turned on. So like that's kind of what you need to compete like 40 years from now. Well,
1: so like one of the people that are coming on the show, Colin uh Arcerus on Twitter. You guys probably know him though. Um he runs distributed hash. It's a hosting facility. And he was saying that like there's people who heat up like hotels and stuff with like like boiler rooms, like hot water boiler rooms for hotels with ASICs. And it doesn't take that many. So like that's a business operational cost that you're paying to keep your hotel hot water. Like that's a fixed cost or variable cost that you're you know operating with and you already have that plan so
2: i love ho- loud hotels yeah
1: <laughs> i <laughs> <laughs> i mean you put it in the basement dude but another one so another guy coming on the show soon uh crypto cloaks rick he yeah. like you know they had the like rip off heater the future bit heater it's like fifteen hundred dollars for an s9 or something and it looks cool but it's like you will literally never break even because it's so expensive up front And they don't even mine at a profit. But Rick was like, all right, cool. I'm going to build this like, you know, crypto cloak heater in like three days. And he's got one. So now he's built it. So like that, like, okay, if you have a thousand watt space heater in your apartment, why not have a thousand watt Bitcoin miner in your apartment if the decibel readings are about the same? And I think he said it was like 40 decibels, 40 to 50 decibels. Do you guys know how how loud that is? I have no idea. Can you... It seems like you. Could, it's like a white noise machine. The Liz, no. I mean, it's probably about Maybe as loud as, sh- as that dog fart. Can come first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that was a dog fart. Forty dB is a quiet library. Well, you could sleep in that. No, it's a that's white cool. White noise machine. That's cool. It doesn't really make any money, but like you're not turning heat on to make money anyway. I think yeah. my you're favorite. You're turning heat on
3: so you don't die. Repurposed heat was. Uh, they repurposed. They put it into a greenhouse and they grew awesome. flowers. Mm-hmm and That's cool. like tulips or something um I Tuli- oh, grew tulips store. full circle yeah. yeah full circle then they sell the tulips for bitcoin bitcoin <laughs> they're, you can, both, you can they're get, both worthless you can get creative man you can get like a cheap source of energy yeah. somehow hydro um you know mine bitcoin and then grow flower.
1: <laughs> grow flower, <laughs> maybe, dude. That's a new. You know, I was. Oh, I got into a mailing <laughs> Oh,
0: dude.
3: Cash crop. I got into and a then buy Bitcoin <laughs> with the That's what we call circular. Circular. That's what we call a circular.
2: Circul- <laughs> a c- call a circular. <laughs> the Something
3: circular of, of life. That's a business model right there.
2: Yeah, I edit that part out. That's just for us. Yeah, that's just oh, for
3: no. us.
1: No, I'm probably not going to edit anything, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take so long. Just to adjust the volumes and all these. You know, uh, so I'm um, looking at this strategic petroleum reserve is one thing. It's that's probably, interesting. It's really been more of an all-year thing, right? But yep. we'll just throw it in here now. It seems like a good spot to throw it in. Uh, and then I got to check the camera footage in a second, make sure we didn't go over. Um, yeah, so this chart looks crazy. Like, this is, like, cataclysmic. I think you used the word carnage. Oh, yeah. But that looks real bad.
2: So that's, that's the SBR. Um, I yeah. don't know what the x-axis is. I'm yeah. sorry, the y-axis there. The, the are, but y-axis is time. Uh, no, the x-axis should be time. The x
1: is the minim- millions of barrels in the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. So basically okay. it went from 650 million barrels of strategic petroleum to about 400 uh, six barrels. to four. Yeah, so about thirty forty percent decline. Looks really bad on the chart. I mean, you know, over the last twenty years we've had about a thirty percent increase. So we just wiped off the twenty years of accumulation in inventory in two years a year. So I don't know what that really means.
2: to it, you guys? It means we don't have oil. Biden wanted good results in the midterm elections he got those um, and he's gonna probably continue to deplete it up leading up to the next presidential election
1: so tell me if I'm if I'm understanding this right so the strategic petroleum reserves like reserves of petroleum that we have for strategy purposes <laughs> <laughs> so so one of those strategies might be like mil-
3: <laughs> Alpha Man.
2: <laughs> Pure
1: signal. <laughs> <laughs> no noise here on value stack.
3: <laughs> So
1: one of those strategic things might be like, you know, fighting a war that against like the world's largest petroleum producer. Do you think that this is a like preemptive mistake that we are making from a policy standpoint? Because like, if we're about to go, you know, duking it out with Russia who controls a lot of the world's global petroleum reserves, like, shouldn't we like? Probably keep our reserves good that way when we need them when it hits fam we don't not have them. It's, it's or might a, it
2: might not. I, I think it. it's a ploy to strengthen the dollar, or to uh, maintain the dollar strength. Okay, it, um, how does that happen? By depleting it. The dollar is often used to trade oil. So if the price of oil is higher than we want it to, that by definition weakening the dollar. And I think that Russia obviously wants a strong dollar right now. And because it's bad put, for put the world in a position where the dollar or the oil, price of oil is going to remain high, mm. and this is our way of keeping the price of oil down. Some it's temporary. temporary. Weak dollar. We're trying to push it down. They, they want a, they want a weak dollar. We want a strong dollar. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Because that makes us able to purchase exports more affordably, but it also a
2: strong dollar does kind of. There, there's it's there's, not as there's ways yeah, that there's that, that, that hurts us right but it's it's a war the it's, overall we're, we're in a war right now and we're making i think rash decisions and i think the st- st- strategy of the oil reserve is <laughs> one that is I, I i don't have a strong opinion either way i can kind of see why we're doing it and i think it's a little bit like political hurting, i think it's mostly hurting ourselves to hurt them weaponizing the dollar we th- i think R- part of what Russia wants right now is for the world to stop trading oil in the dollar. Yeah. And I think they're getting that slowly. Now, there's a lot of inertia, so it's going to take time. And in the, you know, in the interim, it's in our best interest to keep the dollar strong and have countries want to continue to use the dollar, to continue to seek out the dollar for transactions. And this is how we're doing it. And I don't, I don't know. I can kind of see both sides of it. I, I think it's probably a mistake long term, but I don't know enough. I think it's just short-term thinking.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I think it is. Which is politics. We have this here. Uh, We can drain this. There's a lot of pressure with the prices of gas at the pumps. Yep. People are pissed off. Uh, We can ease it a little bit by draining our long-term strategic petroleum reserves um, that are meant to be there in times of crises. I don't think you could say America was in a crisis. Um, I think that you just had rising prices. I think Europe was in a crisis, energy yep. crisis. Right. They're a lot worse um, off this year. And mm. so I think it's, it, it was.
2: It's relieving our allies. Political
3: too. and it weakens our position uh, long term uh, because that's difficult to replenish. Yep. Um, and you look at where oil is produced uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, Russia um and, and for the first time ever Saudi like not ever but saudi arabia just flat out um what's the word like denied president biden in terms of what they did in terms of um they cut production when he was asking them not to and he just completely denied them and so it was a kind of like a shift hmm. in opec yep. and and so how do you replenish that it's going to you know, I don't know. It's going down now. I, <laughs> I don't know. It's going to get probably more expensive to replenish that over time um, because now there's like a shortage of production. And so we haven't invested in our own uh, oil and gas production at all with this move for renewables and, and the greenwashing that's going on. Dude, what happened?
1: Because I, f- I feel like in the mid-2010s, like we were like fracking, boom, America was going to be energy independent, like, and or maybe that was just all rhetoric, and I. Well, it was no, built on no, cheap that, money. That's right.
2: Well, yeah, and <laughs> and like the the advent of fracking. Um, now, fracking costs a lot of money, and, and it it also produces a lot, it. and so they're big projects, and we invested a lot all at once, and OPEC said, you know what, put up production, put all those shale businesses in the United States out of business, and they did. They'd, just took advantage of our greed, free, free market and greed. We have it it's though. That's like the thing. We, that's f-
3: why this is so frustrating. Is well, we the actually still there. have the resources? Right. Exactly. Um, it's just political, hmm. and so it's really, really frustrating that we're going to Venezuela <laughs> and having to beg them for their oil. You know, a dictator. Um, when we actually have the resources here, it
2: mm-hmm. just really. And And, and, and the silly thing is, if you look at like a worldwide scale, like the way our oil and gas industry operates is under a lot of regulation and it's relatively very clean. And so impact to the world, if we just drilled here, created pipelines here, refined here, did it all here, that would have much lesser impact on the globe and climate change, which is an issue than buying it from Venezuela. Yeah. And so it's like anti-ESG, but it's under ESG.
3: Yeah. <laughs> same thing with Canada. Canada's the same boat. Uh, you know, exact same situation. They they produce a ton of oil. <laughs> uh, but they've undercome the same uh harmful policies. Um and I think it's like a function of not thinking about security, right? Like I heard somebody say that ESG should have a second S and that's a security. Mm. Um, and that wasn't considered in these policies. They, they, these policies it's were- It's
1: not even the social. It's, they're peacetime. it's like it's just
3: the E. It's just the environmental Well, side. they focus on that, but I mean, these are peacetime policies. Uh, when things were great, when money was free, Mm-hmm. <laughs> And now it's time to change. And, and, mm-hmm. um, well, money still. You got to start worth. thinking about resiliency and security and, mm-hmm. and understanding that, you know, you, you want to come up with efficient ways to produce energy, ideally, that doesn't harm the uh, environment. But energy is crucial to human flourishing, it's crucial right. to our lives. And you need to provide, uh, produce energy that's cheap and reliable, uh, and as possible for everybody and right now fossil fuels dominates that it's not even freaking close
1: well tyler was talking about on the last episode um about how like demand uh or, or i think you call it load factor i think it's called load factor mm-hmm. It's like of the like windmill if it's generating electricity 50 percent of the time it's a load factor of you know 0. 0.5 or whatever if it's if it's, a wind, if it's a hydroelectric dam and it's, you know, water's flowing, you know, 100% of the time, it's a load factor of one, right? So these renewable resources have a stupid low load factor, usually, like mm-hmm. solar, wind, which means you have to way overbuild exactly. to get the same amount of wattage, right? Where things like chemical energy, like, you know, nuclear, coal, you know, combustion like petroleum, these things have a much, much, much higher degree of, like, capture uh, based on, like, what you need
2: from, like, the total materials or so. Yeah. You you need baseload in the grid, even.
1: uh, Baseload, that's what he was referring to, right? (laughs) And then only renewables can be used to supplement the baseload. You cannot create a baseload off of renewables Because they're intermittent. They're intermittent. Right, because they're intermittent, exactly.
2: Bloomberg just had a, a great piece, and he made the point, like, all the excitement about fusion and how um, I forget what university, but they just had an example of more energy out than in mm. for the first time. And how, like, the media narrative coming out of this is probably going to be anti fission or like nuclear energy because it's like, why build all these like dangerous facilities that take long to build and are really expensive when fusion's just around the corner? But it's like, just C- around the corner. Consumer fusion is like 50 years away. Yeah. And so like or wanna fuck around and find out what's going to happen if we don't build baseload for the next 50 years? National Ignition Facility in California. Yeah. I mean, the
3: energy industry is extremely complicated. Around, right? Find out. Right. <laughs> Not by any means an expert. Energy is as complicated as Bitcoin. And um well, it is but Bitcoin. from my understanding is is nuclear from my research I'm a huge nuclear proponent, and I feel like <laughs> the only reason that nuclear is not happening is is again political, um, which is political, silly, yeah. which is absolutely silly. yeah. It's
1: definitely the <laughs> if you I like lo- I like sci-fi like space shows a lot, you know, and like they all like you don't you don't see them power in like rockets that like do interstellar travel with coal. No, dude, they're nuclear fusion reactors. Like yeah. the only long-term. Like if we're really trying to like get off Earth, like if Mr. Musk is serious about Mars, like I don't, we to can't Mars. even use like <laughs> like yeah. Well, I don't, I don't either. Looks like a shithole. Yeah, it's cold. It's cold in it Colorado. It's like Think a I terrible, go to Mars? barren Can't wasteland. There. Can't breathe
2: there. <laughs> I don't know Dark. why
3: anybody wants to go to Mars. I, mean, I want to go to the
2: Bahamas of... and start a shitcoin exchange.
3: Yeah. Great segue. <laughs> I honestly, I, uh, this is like a tangent for sure, but like I do not understand why these people are so desperate to leave Earth when there's so many problems on Earth that they can try to solve. Because like, Elon Musk should be focusing on problems uh, on he is. Earth. He, he bought is. Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. He bought Twitter and
0: and he
1: didn't do
3: that to make money I promise. I would like that. to explore the oceans. Like that's a unexplored mm. thing. Like George, George Walker, James, James
1: Cameron did that last week oh, with James the Cameron. Avatar. <laughs> Goddamn! <laughs> the way yeah. of the water, bro. Just, you know, my first Mars job was not that cool. My first job yeah, in, ever was uh at a movie theater. I was like the usher, you know your, what I'm first coming? what? My first job. That was, uh, I thought was yeah. like your
2: first hand job. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> this is a kid
1: show, guys. Well, not really, but um
3: Was it in a movie? My theater? <laughs> my, fir- <laughs> my first employment
1: thing. opportunity was uh, at a movie theater. It was literally the first week Avatar came out, The very first Avatar. And, dude, I was like, oh, so this is what working's like. And it sucked. Because there's, like, <laughs> so, there's kids everywhere. I was like, I mean, I was a kid myself. I was like 16 or something. But cool to see the sequel come out. It's apparently like underwater, this new one. It's like all about the water. Way of the water. So James Cameron's so on
2: James your team. Cameron's oh, it. I think I read like Kate Winslow or something was underwater for like 17 and a half minutes. Oh, my God.
1: As yeah. a part of the filming? yeah
0: well that's she what okay? they did they it's
1: like a true story no, I, was, I was reading about this <laughs> i'm underwater so normally <laughs> normally when they do water scenes they like put you on tightrope and you know you you move around and then no they shot underwater yeah so that the the, the motions were more fluid and the i think camera was talking about like the viscosity and like how it has like resistance when you push and it just made it seem then animations more natural so yeah.
2: what was your first job? I was a janitor in an almond plant. Really? There you go. An almond plant. I was picking up gum under seats, dude. I was, oh, was like a- I was like a glorified janitor. I was like recalibrate oh, was, sorting machines. Oh, that sounds way better. I was a I was <laughs> a soccer referee. Yeah.
3: And oh, uh so. Yeah, it was a brutal job, man. It was that tough time where the parents didn't necessarily understand the rules, but they were very passionate <laughs> about their children. Oh, goodness. Yeah. I've
2: I've I coached and yeah. Yeah.
1: Soccer, yeah. soccer, football, sport. Soccer, football, sport. That's yeah. it. That's, yeah, that's a vocal called or yeah. something like that. Soccer ball sport.
2: Yeah, can I plug soccer ball sport real quick? Yeah. All right. World Cup. What right. is that? So it's a sport I invented. Uh, you get <laughs> it's two versus two or one versus one. Um, everyone grabs a fresh new beer can, sets an empty beer can in front of them. Even if it's a team of two, one empty beer can in front of them. Stand as far apart from each other. The two and two or one and one kind of depends on how good you are, but you pass the ball and you try to knock over the other team's empty beer can. If you do that, you start drinking as fast as you can. And while you're drinking, the other team picks up the beer can you just knocked over and runs it to the middle. <laughs> there's something in the middle they need to tap. Once they tap that, you stop drinking. First one to finish their beer wins. Oh, wow. I like it because there's an exercise component. Yeah. Yeah, you're running and drinking and throwing up all of it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you're really full body workout. <laughs> <laughs> Carnage.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, cool, uh, man.
3: Well, congrats. You soccer pat, ball you sport. Yeah, uh, yeah it's on
2: well, Instagram. Well, technically,
1: tra- <laughs> it's trademarked now because we mentioned it on the podcast, and you don't yeah, have right. to file for a trademark. Yeah. Right. That's just like that's imp- implicit. Yeah. yeah. Nice, dude. If yeah. you want like the C hey. or the R, I think you have to file for those. The TM is like, if you use it, it's like you're just using it in trade. It's like, so here's your trade. I think, right. I'm not 100% sure. But yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, (laughs) soccer ball sport.
2: Check it out. Soccer ball sport. Follow us on Instagram at soccer ball sport. Well, nice. Q four, guys. I think we'll we'll do like (laughs) we'll wrap, but we'll like you know,
1: I I think we're gonna run out of space on the camera on the memory card. So, Q four, maybe the biggest quarter. I think at least like the most epic. I mean the the Luna thing was sure that was something you know the. BlockFi thing, I guess, well, that technically was Q4, right? But, like, you know, this Q2 was pretty bad with Celsius and Voyager and all, but FTX, right? Tom Brady, the the whole, like,
2: just the level of... Caroline Ellison, ooh.
1: Ooh,
0: <laughs>
3: baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was huge, man. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I mean, the it's still... What was huge? Her orgy party, or...? <laughs> The layers, man. The layers and FTX. The, the layers of I, humans I mean, and on top of each outright other. Outright fraud, and uh, it's honestly, it's Is gross. It? And SPF, he's a big fraudster. I do, I do want to say like, Luna, like Luna was fifty billion dollars. Like, people, like holy shit! They I forget wiped it wiped out fifty billion dollars. So even FTX, it doesn't really compare to Luna. Yeah, but that's I mean, because it does. It's that like, was
1: the market value at the time, though. Like. Yeah, I understand. It was 50 billion dollars of air. <laughs> <It wasn't, laughs> yeah, I it wasn't guess it was really not. 50 billion. Well, I apper- guess.
2: Apparently, so well, how many assets around FTX like nine or something?
3: Nah, it was like somewhere between well, 1, one their and 20. Whole, their whole was like around like Ten? 8 or 9, yeah.
1: I, I heard so many different numbers.
3: Yeah, it's I mean, we're, it's a dynamic situation. It's still it's still unfolding, but Yeah. I mean, the this outright fraud um in every way. I mean, he just got the book thrown at him. Like every single well, thing you Wire fraud, security fraud. Well, they had uh, a
1: election channel. fraud <laughs> conspiracy. They had a Telegram channel called Wire Fraud. So he wasn't trying to hide it. <laughs> he did? Yeah. Did you didn't read about that? Oh, yeah. They had a Telegram.
3: I mean, that's what I read on Twitter. So actually, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Alameda. I mean, Alameda literally had to, like, uh, you know, no liquidation, basically. <laughs> like the whole thing was just a huge. And they sent. When you wired money to FTX, you had to send
1: it to Alameda Research. Oh, I wish I yeah. I wonder why I'd seen that because that would have been a big
3: like you say that. But yeah, I mean, I knew they were connected. Hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, everybody knew that it was shady. Um, In hindsight, it's like it's you know, (laughs) twenty twenty. Hindsight twenty twenty. But you know, FTX. I'm just I'm just glad he's in jail now. He's actually in like one of the worst <laughs> jails in the entire world
2: i saw that like yeah top five bad jails in bahamas yeah. that, that's
3: i honestly that's i mean that's hard going from what was his network that it was like 20 <laughs> well, not, billion or it was yeah. like 15 20 billion to but it in, was all in one aired. of the worst prisons in in the world like that is a fall of grace wait like,
1: why is this prison so bad i mean i'm talking about like conditions and and but isn't Bahamas like? I guess it's a poor, it's a poor country relatively, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't know why the. Pre- I, I, I it's, haven't it's studied. It's probably the, like the America where it's like huge wealth inequality, where like you <laughs> have people like Sam Bankman Fried who like have the mega mega mansions and live the island, you know. was actually Island island Boys. boys. (laughs) Wait, was that 2022?
3: I don't know, dude. Island Boys. What quarter was that? That was sometime (laughs) in the easy money
1: before the Fed funds. I know that. I know that. (laughs) That was definitely. That might have been like 1% on the Fed funds. That might have been 2021. Yeah, they they were still at 1%? Oh, October 2021. That was around the top. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. October 2021. Bro, the Island Boys. I wonder how they're doing. You think they're still doing cameos?
3: <laughs> they probably are doing pretty well, I'd imagine.
1: Better than us. Do you, do you guys follow views. Autism Capital on yes. Twitter. Yes, he, a, became, it's a like a, yeah, he became a great resource. He became a uh, quite a the, the sleuth um, lately with FTX. He's really like dug into
2: all the files. Like he showed like SBF's medications he's on in prison. Yeah. Oh yeah.
3: He showed he's the one that broke Caroline at the coffee shop. Yeah. Which is amazing. Uh, But yeah, SPF, you know, I don't know. He's an island boy. I don't really feel bad for him necessarily, but I mean, he has to be in a really bad spot. So for anybody who wanted justice, like he's getting it right now. And I think he should be extradited like pretty quickly because the worst thing that would happen if something like, like, really bad happened to him, and we couldn't have, like, a fair trial or anything like that. Yeah, that.
1: I mean, give him a fair trial. Like, you know, he's an American, and he deserves a fair trial, just like all Americans do. He's probably going to get, like, 50 years.
2: Yeah. You think so? Yeah.
3: 50? I 50. mean, he does have... You think he's going to serve 50 years?
2: No. Uh, <sighs> no. Probably not. Dude, the jails won't be. <laughs> not... Bro, be... So, I mean, Madoff...
1: Dude, there's not going to be physical jail... Maybe like 100 or something. 60 or 100. He was already old. Physical jail is, they're going to put the sword art online thing on your head and be like, have fun being in the metaverse forever. (laughs) And like... No way.
0: Bro. I don't
2: know. They don't get phones.
1: No, they don't get phones. Smartphones. They're trapped in like, imagine like, you get trapped in like some kind of virtual reality that's like a shitty level. Where it's just like, you're stuck in like, Five nights with Freddy or something for like ever or like for five years. And you wake up and there's just like bears coming at you trying to stab you. That would be psychological torture because you couldn't leave it either.
3: Like you, you think that's what that's the, that's the, what jails like, of the future are gonna the, be like. The, you think the jails bears, are gonna be
2: VR? Yeah. VR jails? Yeah. Way easier. Way you can control things in more finite. Bears trying to get in the windows and kill you? Yeah, with that's knives like this whole year. <laughs> So,
3: yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. VR jails? VR I haven't thought about that one. Before.
1: <laughs> we really took a
2: turn here in Q4. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, free Ross Ulbricht. Yeah, dude. He um he did some bad shit, but also but, he shouldn't be away for life.
1: Has it been ten years? This year was ten years, right? Or not nine or ten? No, I mean, Silk Road wasn't shut down until he's done his time 2013. Oh, yeah, he's ready. And, and you know that well, I guess I don't know, but I mean, according to multiple life sentences, he will do way more time than SBF unless SBF also gets multiple life sentences. So, I
3: mean, I, I, was, I disagree with the 50 years. I think he's gonna get the hammer thrown at him. Really? Dude, I
1: think he's gonna get way dude, less. I, I think he's gonna get like 10 years. I don't think he'll get. Are I, you serious? I'm you serious, serious, dude.
3: He does Did have He, eight, he eight I don't know counts, elections though. fraud. He literally influenced elections,
1: bro. But he influenced it in their favor, so like he's good. <laughs>
3: like, <laughs> well, oh man, yeah. All right. Well, we're getting into uh, whatever. Well, <laughs> I don't knows, know, man. But, but, but I mean, he might. He, he he might get some leniency because people don't want him he'll to. He'll cooperate. He'll people snitch. People don't want him to talk.
1: Well. M- maybe Car- maybe caroline already snitched
3: caroline and, definitely snitched she's a snitch. was she was in witness. new york she's definitely oh, yeah. a state's witness yeah. what about Tribuco? oh
1: dude that was another sign
3: that was the canary dude he yeah, just that left, dude, that he just left a over bu- the summer honestly it's been a bad year for sam's in general <laughs> when sam <laughs> left uh, are he, you talking about yourself
1: right now in third no, person, Sam? No, I'm just
3: saying, I'm <laughs> saying like plural Sam's in general. So it's been rough.
2: For Uncle the Sams. Sam's bond market did really Uncle poorly,
1: <laughs> guys. You
2: know, exactly. you know
1: what the what is the uh inflation adjusted bond called? The tips? tips, but what's the thing? Treasury direct is that the tips? Yeah, Treasury direct. What's the you remember those were yielding like... Uh, 9.6 at the top. Nine point, is there, Are think, they
2: lower now? I think they're like 6.5 or 7.5 last time I checked.
1: Even though rates are higher, because it's not based on interest rates, it's based on inflation rate, right? Yeah. I have a problem you can also
2: b- You can also... Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Well, I think the Fed me too. manipulates the tips you know, market.
1: We went to dinner and I gave them 20% tip, but then I go to look at the receipt and there's a 3.5% living wage fee. Mm. Motherfucker, pay your employees a living wage. Sign of the times. So I'm over tips, bro. Sign of the I times. still gave them twenty percent, but I was like, bro. I guess we're going. And they here. didn't even put that on there <laughs> You didn't even know unless you got the receipt. It's
3: insane. These 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 iPads at the check counter, man. Dude, they're insane, dude. They're, they some of them I saw they just start at twenty. Start at twenty. That's what this was. It was tw-
1: twenty. It started at twenty, and I was like, we were in a hurry to come get you from the front door, so I was like, yeah. Fine, twenty, and then I get. I'm as I'm walking back, I'm like looking at the receipt because you know. And this dude's making me.
3: me a sandwich, dude. It's like I'm like, yeah, we didn't even tip I mean, that yeah. like five years ago. Yeah,
1: I know, I know, I know. And it was crazy. It was crazy. But anyway, tips. <laughs> I don't like tips. And anyway, pay your employees the living wage. What What other stands are having a bad year? SPF. <laughs> oh, that's
0: a, that one. we just is talked
3: about,
1: enough, about it. it in, <laughs> in the world? Sam <laughs> Trabuco, Sam Bankman-Fried, Sam Callahan's had a killer year. I don't know, but <laughs> no, 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 no. been pretty good. I would but say right. that out of the, I don't, I haven't, I don't know, I don't know how good Bo's year has gone, but New Year's definitely went better than mine. <laughs> 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 there's no way it didn't. <laughs>
3: it's twenty twenty two. Has been all right. Yeah it's been a i mean it's I'm, been a good bear market i like I said, I was very uh annoyed and uh, with the bull market, I right, was not having a good right. time in the bull market, like well, net worth was up, but in general well, I was not having a good time one
1: bitcoin <laughs> one bitcoin,
3: so yeah, yeah, I don't know, so like bear market just so much more signal. I'm having a better time now, just just building and and there's less noise and all the a lot of the goofballs are gone, not all the goofballs. I think there still needs to be uh, some cleansing here, which brings us to like, where do you guys think things are going? Because personally, I think that we haven't really seen the bottom. No. no, no. no.
1: We're going to 10K, maybe 12 and a half.
3: 12 and a half, That's 13. My
1: we're going to go right above where my lowest limit order is so that it doesn't trigger. That's
3: probably where we're going. Mm. I don't know. It's hard. Like the price, like Bitcoin led um, a lot of these assets. And so when you look at it, led
1: the equity markets up. Oh yeah.
3: So like it could be about 2020, now. like it could have led it. And you look around and all the signs of a typical bear market, like minor capitulation, Ponzi blowups, right, right. uh, speculators are gone prices down, whatever 75, 80% from the all time high. Like those are all signs of, of a bottom. Now, yeah. Agreed. Bottoms can be dragged out long right. time. I think we're
1: back <laughs> magnitude wise. We're probably like near the bottom, near the bottom. Timing near wise, bottom. it could be another year. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, we're not going to go like to 5K. No, I just think there's just so, too much money in circulation compared. Like, that's think true. About, if we went, if you look at Bitcoin over M2 instead of just like Bitcoin's USD price, but Bitcoin over the money supply and use that, like, we're way lower than we were five years ago, even. 'Cause when we were fifty when we were twenty K at the all time high, and, you know, we 2017, 2018. Think about what the money supply was then.
3: Yeah, yeah. but the twenty I, I kinda don't like cause but then it's the Bitcoin presti- 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 supply. It was at twenty thousand for like one day. Forty eight hours or something. Yep.
1: Yeah, that's when I bought. Wait, you guys didn't literally <laughs> empty your bank account at the top. <laughs> 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 that oh was my funny.
3: god. But you do bring up a good point of liquidity. I've been thinking about this actually. So if you think about the economy is driven by like Ray Dalio has that 30 minute video, how the economic machine works, which I think yeah. everybody should watch. It's good on did. YouTube. Yep. Basically one of the one of the lessons from that video is that one man's income is another person's spending, vice versa, one man's spending is another person's income. And so what drives nominal income in an economy in my opinion, it's like three buckets. It's, it's credit and it's money or liquidity and then it's income. And so when you look at the current environment, we've had tightening credit conditions at the most rapid pace ever. So the cost of capital is going up. Um, and so when people borrow money, they borrow it to spend now money they don't have. And so it's spending in the economy if the cost of capital is up. They're not spending enough. You're starting to see interest rate-sensitive sectors like housing and autos start to roll over this quarter. And so you have tightening credit conditions. That's one thing. And then you go to income. If you look at real disposable income, it's just getting eroded away by inflation over the last 12 to, to 15 months. And so people's incomes are getting squeezed. Cost of essentials like food, housing, transportation, it's all gone up, and so they're not spending... As much you saw this in like the real retail sales, Uh, this this month is negative actually, and over the Black Friday nominal spending was like record highs in dollar amounts. Yep. Um, but actually in real terms it was down one point six percent. Yeah, it was Hmm. down. Right. So they are spending, um, they're spending more and and getting less, and so incomes are getting squeezed, and so that's another performance spending, and then you go to liquidity. And the Federal Reserve has turned from quantitative easing to quantitative tightening. So since July, they've reduced their balance sheet by $60 billion a month on average. Mm. So that drains reserves out of the global financial system. Mm. Um, And then also M2 money supply, like you said, it's actually almost negative uh, year over year, which would be the first time in 60 years. And so you're... Feels like it. Right. And so all of that results in decreased or declining economic activity Um, aka recession so you have tightening credit conditions you have draining liquidity and you have income squeezed and so if you just go back to those first principles um, that's why i don't think the shoe has dropped yet because you're still Mm -hmm. seeing all those things those dynamics until we see a reversal in even any of those three um I, i just don't see how we don't continue to see deterioration and you're seeing underlying deterioration in the economic data. Like I said, the housing, autos, right. um, it's, it's, the, those are leading indicators. So it's,
2: I, I 100% agree with all of that and just like add like the significance of the housing, just seeing yeah. how, house prices start to fall pretty quickly. Yeah. And we're Off talking the about the cliff. lag. I know. Talk about a lag of mortgage rates going up and house prices to Las Vegas and Boise have already seen 15% declines in the price of homes. How many people were putting down five or 10% down payments just a year ago, waiving inspections, paying 20% over asking, or sorry, that's an exaggeration, maybe 10% over asking five, 10% over asking. It's, uh, yeah, it's the pain has just started. And like the negative wealth effect of people losing value in their homes, it's, so that's why I think like the macroeconomic situation. But when we're talking about just Bitcoin on its own, you're right; it's got every indication of being near or around a bottom. I just don't think like the whole macro situation is going to turn for quite a while. So we're probably not going to have like a V shape recovery. It's probably just going to no. chill for a while. Accumulation, hardcore plebs, stacking all next year, and you know, it seems may- possible.
3: I mean, is that what we're it's gonna? It's pretty scary.
2: So next year
1: is
3: more of like a treading water year. That's what I think. What I think, think we're going to see I think we're going to see this show up in earnings finally. Yeah. So see. But does
1: that mean that like kind of Bitcoin leads the market, right? I, I, I've noticed that whatever Bitcoin does the equity markets kind of follow. Fall
2: I I, 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 had a, I like appreciate that because Bitcoin is like the purest it's like because it's an insurance policy on like too much government Yeah, it's like default pr- Printing and, yeah. and overly low interest rates. So I, I get that idea. The only thing is Bitcoin is just a drop in the bucket compared to the overall system and the people that are involved. Right. Only the minority think the way that we do and think that it's a insurance against the whole system failing. Right. And so because the, the, the average or the fringe Bitcoin user, I don't think thinks that. I, I don't think Bitcoin is leading necessarily. Um, I think if, like Let's say behind the scenes, like BlackRock and Goldman and the most like, influential big institutions are getting into it, Fidelity, then it's a leading indicator because it, it is the purest form of government overprinting, uh, like insurance right. on government overprinting. So uh, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm a little torn. I, I, I see that argument, but it's also so small and so few people think that way.
1: I'll take a Treadwater year. I mean, like it's DCA. This is like if if next year's like a tread in water, we're just hanging out around twenty k I mean, great opportunity to be meaningfully getting to as you know a s- significant number that you'll never probably ever achieve otherwise ever again in your life that's right.
3: I think we only get a treading year if we see. Some kind of regulatory years. backlash or something. Mm-hmm. I actually think that uh, next year is going to be pretty bullish. Really? Yeah. I do too. I, I, I think because because the quietly. early sec- the early see you at 100k, the early part of 2023 I see is painful, um, yeah. where we could make a new low, where we could see uh, earnings come in and profits decline for these companies. Um,
2: but that's the precursor to govern or the Fed. Right. Lowering interest rates. Exactly. So the so rest like of the- that's,
3: It's got to get worse before before they capitulate. And you see that. And then you also see with that, labor, labor is the greatest cause for these companies. So if their profits and earnings start to get squeezed, then they're going to start increased layoffs. And you're going to start to see that That's when the Fed acts. About the economy. Since the unemployment go up, you'll likely, if the Fed continues to hold rates higher for longer or even keep hiking rates, which... That's what Powell made very, very clear, that they expect to keep hiking rates, yep. whether you believe them or not. But that could cause a credit event, what I was saying. And it doesn't matter if it's in the United States or if it's in Europe or if it's in China. Um, yep, it's lever. all interconnected. Yep. So that's the interconnectedness of credit. And it caused contagion, which could cause a correlation to one event, crash. Spreads, blow bank A banking uh, crisis, even with their uh, reserves built up the way they are. It could still cause a lot of issues and so if that happens things seize up you could see a fed pivot the fed pivot doesn't happen unless things get much much worse
1: they're gonna keep hiking and giving themselves as much headroom as possible so that when inevitably something happens they have as much ammunition because last time they didn't really have any right so yeah i'm
2: willing to forecast with a high probability that what we're saying will occur. It's just the timeline is difficult. Because right, right. I, I think I would have told you last January that, oh, the Fed's starting to raise interest rates. They won't get past May.
3: True. Right. Well, It's I, tough. I, it's tough. I, you know.
2: But I think it's important to note that
3: the Fed is just one aspect of this. And the other one is the government. And so if, if there's more people and more They're layups that same. happen. No, I mean, the Treasury, I get that. But like... The <laughs> <laughs> Treasury. But, but listen, like... Um, it doesn't seem like the government or politicians are blaming the consumer price inflation or attributing it to their spending. Yeah. It seems like they they're, have all these other excuses. they're not taking blame for it. they Thanks, don't Putin. Yeah yeah, exactly. They don't think that that had anything to do with it. Right. And so if you see increased unemployment, there's going to be people in the streets begging the government for a stimulus tests, because you, you can't put that back, you know can't put that back in the that box. That cat's yeah. out of the bag, and they think that that didn't actually cause a lot of this inflation. Right. They think right. it's the supply side. They think it's The war uh, in Ukraine. They think it's, it's all these other the things.
1: money that all got printed a couple of years right. ago. Right.
3: So the Fed will cut rates, but also I expect government stimulus, again. and I expect that again. And the combination of fiscal stimulus and uh, you know, accommodated monetary policy, um, that is a boon for scarce assets. Yep. and so if we see that, um, I think Bitcoin once again will be one of the benefactories of yeah. of those uh, decisions, um, and we'll see what happens with the only thing. Like, we'll see how low. I think we'll maybe see a little bit of a rally here. We'll see some like um, lower CPI prints, thinking thinking it's getting better, and all these things, um, and then and then maybe we'll we'll start to see the shoe drop in the economy and even if inflation's at like five or four percent um they'll be like that's good enough we're gonna we're gonna you know start doing more com- accommodative X, things yeah. and we're gonna start printing money against stimulus checks and they they just can't connect the dots that that the monetary policy and the fiscal policy was one of the main drivers of the rise in consumer
2: price inflation that we've seen across I think the world. they probably know it. They're just not willing to say it. Um, no, but, no. but back to the treasury real quick. I just want to, like, if we're talking like bombshell smoke shows that have headed both institutions, Janet Yellen. <laughs> <laughs> just have to say.
1: Oh, uh, well. Janet. I hope she makes it to
3: next year. I love Janet Yellen because she comes across as the nice grandma. Sam, And I think that's why she's, yeah.
1: What, uh, oh, no, sorry, go ahead. No, I there's a clip. I want, can you hit? There's a green button right behind you on the soundboard. Nope, not that one. That
0: to ask questions about <laughs> what the right legal structure would be um, for, virtu- for boop, 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 you know, virtual virtual currencies boop, boop, that involve non-traditional players that aren't regulated. Say, and by and I'm
2: so sorry because our times. You know how our time sure. runs here. Uh, if, if there's going to be a new American exchange for the Bitcoins, they're going to be using the banks. The Bitcoins? If this exchange is using banks, you all will have.
0: If they use banks, but my understanding is that Bitcoin doesn't touch banks. They don't, it's not settled. <laughs> why did other governments, <laughs> why did other countries believe they had to get involved? Well, you could, you could get involved if Congress <laughs> wants to get involved and set up a supervisory regime. Okay.
2: Harrowing. Janet <sighs> Yellen. Might have to relieve myself. <laughs> oh well, I think we all probably got to two
1: hours and ten minutes. We've been recording, so
3: Jenny Yellen. Well, I have a I, uh, can, I Can I talk shit about Jenny Yellen? Yeah, before we sure. Start? No, I just think she's d- just so incompetent. Like her entire career, if you track it back to when she was even like the San Francisco Federation. <laughs> she's just wrong about everything. She's like the epitome of. She's fiat really good at speaking. Failing upwards, and now she's the. <laughs> U.S. Treasury Secretary, and I laugh because it's that's the only thing you can do. Um, It's crazy. It's crazy, and so
2: that's the world we live in, man. Well, central bankers are incompetent through and through.
1: Yeah, you know, as much as we like to rag on the systems in place and all of this, I think it's important to keep in perspective that I am thankful that we live in a country where us three aren't, you know put in jail or like dismembered because of the things that we say on this podcast and some of the non-favorable opinions that we have about our politicians. Even if so, he wasn't hot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm Bo,
3: just saying Bo, uh, <laughs> Thank, good, go thank goodness. Jail. In Look, China.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Yeah, I, you guys would go to jail in China, not me. Because yeah, he's a sympathizer. Uh, he's, uh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a China he's simp. <laughs>
1: Well, uh, guys, I've had a lot of fun uh, tonight, and uh, this year hasn't been fun at all, but uh, this is probably the highlight of it.
3: I think it's been fun. I mean, I might be crazy, but I I mean, seeing all these... Cr- like fraudsters blow up and it is proving mean, the
1: point that Bitcoin maximalism does have some meat to it, right? Like it wasn't just all talk. No, absolutely.
2: Oh, some of these idiots, can, like can, all these hedge funds. So I just just so, sorry to interrupt. I, yeah. I just want to make it clear. We've spent a lot of time talking about like the blowups in crypto. Like Bitcoin is the antithesis of that. Bitcoin right. was born out of movements that were anti all of that, right. and so yeah. it's just it's cross collateralized with a lot of it, and so we can't deny that that's going on and affecting. Our lives. The crypto Bitcoin exchanges shit, are, are,
1: are, are, are are they're more like the fiat banks than they are like Bitcoin. Exactly. In a lot of ways, and they're and worse versions of the fiat right. system. that Bitcoin was created leverage. to to. Sub, sub. I I think that's a really high point to to kind of leave it with is that you know it's been such a confusing year and there's mm-hmm. all these crypto blowups, and at the end of the day. There are more Bitcoin in self custody by individuals than there ever have been in the history of the network. Sure. All good shit. And that is because people are starting to distinguish the difference between, yeah, Bitcoin and unregistered securities that are created by a small team who are oftentimes anonymous and like dump on you. So,
3: yep. And That's. The, I mean, all if, of this. If this
1: had to happen for that, for us to get there, then the network is. Stronger and better for it long term.
3: Yeah, I've had people reach out and be like, wait, you're telling me that we've had like five Ponzi schemes blow up? And now I should buy Bitcoin? <laughs> and, and the size of Enron, and Bitcoin is still at 16, 17,000. Yeah, 17, the th- yeah wow. Well, They're mental. like, all right, I'm gonna take another look at this right. thing. Like a
2: third of a trillion
3: dollars. Right, even after I mean, all of this, yeah. That's the resiliency of this thing, I mean, it's the honey badger and yeah. Honestly, wipe it I i wanna clean it all out. I'd like I at this point, might as well. Like whatever's out there, just clean it all out. Wow. Like Powell can jack up rates all he wants CZ. to clean out all this stuff. Bitcoin will He's still be around. For you. He's Bitcoin for will you. still be around. It doesn't matter. I don't care if Binance goes down, I don't care if any of this stuff stuff goes down. Bitcoin will survive, rise from the ashes like it always does. I mean because that's what it does. I mean, it's it's that simple, so i have all the time in the world man i'm I'm a young person my time horizon is very long and so i my thesis hasn't changed at all bitcoin hasn't changed at all actually the fundamentals have improved in 2022 no matter what you look at if you look at the adoption uh metrics if you look at hash rate i mean it's all up to the right so i it's a it's just like a matter of perspective and and what you focus on and uh, Bitcoin's as secure as it's ever been. Um, it's still 21 million, and it's a stacker's paradise. And That's just it. keep stacking
1: sats. Well, it takes- I was gonna leave us out with a song.
2: We still have to make 2023 predictions.
1: So I guess I'll I'll start us off. Um, my prediction for the block height is uh, hold on, um, <laughs> oh, 144
2: times 365. I have the feeling he's gonna be right again. <sighs>
1: Be the first time this year. <laughs> I have a prediction that we will end the year at roughly block eight
3: hundred twenty thousand. Wait, wait. You at
1: me. Block eight hundred twenty thousand will be where we end twenty twenty three. That no, is my prediction. prediction. Somewhere it's right around there. A little bit of cop out, but you know. I mean, it's a it's a highly probabilistic, but not guaranteed
3: prediction. <laughs> pretty
1: good. Uh, having um having come in, in 2024 i think actually I'm, I'm with you sam i think next year is a lot more bullish than people think first quarter sucks big pivot by second quarter i expect to fl- be flipping jpegs by next winter so oh, fuck. Oh, <laughs> <my
2: God>. <laughs> <laughs> buy trumpcards.com. Yeah. Uh, don't please i mean don't. are we doing price predictions specifically whatever man whatever you can right. fit
1: in the five minutes before the camera cuts off so
3: oh, man predictions Um. Well, I kind of already, yeah, I kind of already talked about my. Yeah. I do think it's going to be bullish. Um. I think we end the
2: year above or below forty five thousand.
3: Forty five. I mean, I don't know if it'd be that below. bullish. I. Yeah. Last year I said a hundred at this episode at the end of the year, <laughs> so now I'm definitely wrong again. But. I mean, I I've expected I like learned to expect the unexpected at this point. Um. Yeah, I think. I don't know about 45K. That that will be a pretty big jump. Um, But I do expect it to be higher than it is today. We will go
1: over 30K at some point next year. I think
3: it'll be higher than 20. Definitely higher than 20K. And I don't really know. Like, you know, it could kind of take a mind of its own at that point. Price is just kind of a crazy thing. But do you think it'll be higher? And I think... uh, (laughs) Hash rate predictions, maybe? Yeah, I was going to go hash rate. I...
1: We're at current hash rate is 230x a hash. Difficulty, $34 trillion.
3: I I don't. It. I don't think it's going to go that much higher, personally. Under 250 Because I think, I think there's still um, pain to be felt with miners. That's still 8% year over
1: year. I mean, that would be a very, very low... Hash rate increase next year, eight percent for the whole year, relative to the last couple of years, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it went up eight percent a few times in in a, just one
2: difficulty adjustment.
3: Now there is a lot of mining machines still on the sidelines mm-hmm. right now, just because of like permitting processes in Texas, and um, you know, there's but there's been, also
2: a lot coming the market as you know, yeah. a lot of these companies are going to fold. Yeah, yeah, but that ASICs are going to get plugged back in. They're not going to go away. Yeah, but they go through bankruptcy proceedings, and it that may takes not time for a while, and, right? Yeah.
3: No, it's funny, these ASIC back loans, all of these lenders like Galaxy and Nidig. Right. Um, <laughs> they basically well the miners had the a, tattoo. We didn't they default, cover the tattoo. They default on the loans. <laughs> the wolf. And then they oh, these lenders get all these miners and they're like, what, the, what do we do with these? Right. Things, they're not right? So,
1: they're not miners.
3: Yeah, they're not miners. So and they can't just plug them in. You like, can't just plug them in. They like like don't have to I disagree with. Yeah.
1: You just plug them in.
3: I don't know. I see kind of, I guess I see hash rate more or less being like flat, I guess. That's kind of how I see it.
1: Well, Bo, what you got? What you
3: think?
2: So so Sam, before we recorded, you said you had something to say about this, but uh, this is coming from zero research, but just uh, the idea that the Fed is trying to create a central bank digital currency and I don't think they know how to do any of it. And I think Circle is kind of, hey, look at us. We're, We're we want to be regulated and all this shit. So, I, I think some news around the Fed teaming up with Circle, but that's based off very little research. That's a sh- I, uh, shot in the dark.
1: I do believe that USDC will be fully embraced in 2023 by the government.
2: Something could. It's not embraced. Full-wise. I mean, I'm the only way I that would happen it. is if embraced. the Fed actually inquired,
3: acquired Circle. Well, they, they're not going to acquire. There's, there's, there's partnerships. They've acquired. Well,
1: they did pull out of their public offering
3: that they're. They've random. acquired other uh, uh, entities in the past. Really? Yeah. So because it is a quasi-public, quasi-private. So that would be like that's the scenario because like where Circle becomes a, a Fed. The idea that bank. USDC would be a CBDC is. It would have to be acquired by the Fed, yeah. They wouldn't you know. got to understand, like, if it, need there's no reason of for them the to information. do yeah, yeah, I mean, one is a liability of the private company. One is a liability of the central bank. Right. They're not the same things. Uh, one would be a, a transmission channel for monetary and fiscal and tax policy. One would not be. Right. Um, can't enact policy. Yeah, things. there's no reason to, like, give that power to a private company. So right. it would have to be some. Well, they
1: could that's a good point. commandeer it right no
3: that's probably not possible they no. acquire it, yeah it's, it's it, they can they, buy it. they can make money they can just buy it cuz they can <laughs> they can print money so they can buy it whatever price they want <laughs> yeah <laughs> fair jeremy allure would have, jeremy i'm allure sure would the be circle like, people would like it yeah. and they'll be good with it yeah. <laughs> no i mean i do i do think like they they've done this in the past i mean the government's not good at technology so they they've utilized the private sector um create it to create it and and so i see where you're coming from but the USDC pre and post the Fed involvement would I think look yeah. very very different. Just um, they would the just going to utilize the technology. Well,
1: ETH has involved. been, I mean, ETH has gotten a lot of OFAC compliance with the minor boost thing. I I truly really don't really know what I'm talking about, so I'll just stop. But for like the blocks are like OFAC compliant for almost majority. Oh yeah, been, so like since I, the merge, and so I imagine that like we're just gonna see a continuous um, differentiation between the stances of like ETH is more like cooperation. Bitcoin might be
3: more like. Well, I've said, no. I've said the most bullish thing to happen to Bitcoin in 2022 was the ETH merge. ETH merge. Yeah. Cause I the actually, separation of that, proof I, of work and proof of stake. It's clear now. Yeah. It's clear now. And proof of stake is inherently more insecure. And Absolutely. more political and more prone to centralization, which we've seen almost immediately. And then uh, what you're talking about is the MEV boost right. relays, basically flashbots. Right. Um. Uh. Basically, they're OFAC compliant. Right. They're U.S. based company. Um. They're the best at that game of MEV. Basically created it. And uh, the censorship there, it's hard to tell how that's going to stop because the incentives aren't right. It's okay. So. Right. So basically, uh, Vitalik and Hashu from Flashbots published a piece, and basically they're saying, "Hey, can you please just take less profit for the good of the network?" And to me, that was a huge red flag because <laughs> oh it God. basically showed that the incentives are broken. Yeah, yeah. because right? if they're having them
2: exactly. pander to
3: them, yeah. To, oh, please take less profits for the good of the, the network. The incentives and Ugh. the incentives aren't right. Just right? shows so, you how good Bitcoin is. That's right. right. Just so, built
2: in the perfect incentive system. Right. So, yeah. once great job, Satoshi. You did. Yeah. Once you, did.
3: you move away from the incentives, you're, and you're asking for the uh, altruism of the actors. It's, well, yeah. Not all altruism is effective. So, <laughs> if there's 20, <laughs>
1: 2022 <behind> s- <laughs> slogan of the year.
2: Yeah. Not altruism is effective. Not all cheers, altruism boys. is effective. Right.
1: All right, boys. That's done. To next year. To 2023. We'll see you then
2: guaranteed 45k not financial advice (laughs) (laughs) one bitcoin equals one bitcoin
1: one bitcoin is one bitcoin we'll see you next year hit that subscribe button if you enjoyed the show (laughs) thanks for listening